Welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Joint Investors Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and Keller Williams agent. What is Renegade Joint Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Matcha Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. Saying your grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru bullshit from the front. No smell of stale coffee, bin gay, and or disappointment. You know exactly what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with successful business people getting shit done. And I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. We also have other podcasts as well. Maybe you like Storytime with Tommy or Storytime with Jeff or Flip This Podcast with Steve Londo or an ongoing series for real estate agents with Mr. Joe Delia. Whatever it is, you're going to find it here. And if you haven't already, rate and review on iTunes. Come on, man. You don't want to be that person who takes without giving back. And to grow the podcast, that's what we need. Even if you don't have an iPhone, just download on your computer, rate and review. I really do appreciate it. Also, share this podcast. It takes a lot of time on my guest day. And they come and they share very willingly. So let's get this out there everywhere and let's grow the podcast. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, go to RenegadeDetroit.com. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. I'm on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess. Of course, go to YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. Legal disclaimer. Don't blame me, man. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision decisions, you contact a lawyer, an attorney, and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't fucking sue me. All right. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investor Show Code of the Week, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And I, uh, it's simple. I stole it right from John. Choose a job you love, and you will never have to work a day in your life. And we think maybe Confucius. I uh, I checked that on the internet. I'm not so sure. And let me introduce you to my guests, John and Scott Wilcox, forever known as the Wilcox Bros. They grew up in Lansing, Michigan, in an entrepreneurial family. Their great-grandfather, grandfather, and father all ran their own businesses. Great-grandfather had a pawn shop. Grandfather uh, continued running their pawn shop and owned residential real estate. And the Faja was an antique dealer and published uh, a monthly antiques paper. From a young age, they both worked all kinds of odd jobs at the pawn shop, cleaning, moving, and in high school, and started doing cleanouts and painting at their grandfather's rental, which was their first experience with real estate. Both went to Michigan State University after high school and moved to Detroit after graduating. Both started corporate jobs, but had real estate in the back of their minds. Uh, Scott, accounting at a local bank, and John, equity trading at a local investment firm. Both received MBAs from Walsh College. They started an auto, automobile repossession company in, their early, uh, in the early 2000s that they eventually sold. They acquired their first rental together in 2008. Scott still works in the corporate world, and John has been a full-time real estate investor since 2015. Definitely go check him out. Wilcox Bros. Go to DetroitPropertyBrothers.com or... Hit him up on Facebook. So go to facebook.com forward slash john.wilcox.54 or scott.wilcox.142. And this will be in the show notes. And yes, they are twins. So let's just get that out of the way. Yep, we're twins. They're twins, twins in real estate. And you guys are kind of playing out the Detroit Property Brothers, right? A little bit of twin action there. 
Might as well. Yeah, it's our it's our only competitive advantage, I'd say. The only. <laughs> so. We're, I was going with go Scott's beard. Yeah, yeah Scott's right. beard is a competitive advantage. He's getting there. That's what I'm talking I'll about. Take the other side. I go clean shaven. Look respectable. Know. Yeah, try not to look too much like him. So. Yeah. So, tell me about growing up with entrepreneurs and what that was like and what effect you think it had on you. And I'm not sure who to start with. So you guys are gonna have to figure this shit out on your own. I'll start. I'd say that's uh, John, by the way. John. Yep. Growing up uh, in a family like that's a lot of uh, odd jobs and grunt work. Yeah, so we did a lot of moving. We did a lot of cleaning. Uh, like like at my grandpa's shop would be like our main job: cleaning glass, clean the glass, clean the showcases, clean yeah. showcases, moving stuff. It was just a lot of a lot of grunt work. So that's what that's what that is. <clears throat> but that was life too. I mean, you're you're always doing something. You're always working. You're always helping, doing whatever anyone else is working yeah. on. And so. if you have, like, if you have to move a truck full of stuff, you learn, you just put your nose down, you get it done as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if we even got, I'm sure we got paid. We definitely weren't getting paid by the hour. So you, you know, okay, hey, <laughs> yeah, we, we need to get this done. So okay, we'll get this done as fast as we can. So it helped it helped with a uh, work ethic. Yeah, and you kind of learned to just get it done. Uh, well, you saw everyone else kind of hustling too. My grandpa, my dad is the the ultimate get up and grind type of guy. <laughs> yeah. So you just, that's Everything. how you grew up. That's how you learn to do it. Tell me about your dad. Tell me about what, what makes him, what makes him the ultimate get up and grind kind of guy. You know, he does what he loves. He doesn't make a lot of money doing it, but he does what he loves. So he's always, we call him right now. He's probably on the road or just getting back yep. from being on the road. Yeah. So he does antiques and antiques, you know, you're just, you know, he's, he's always traveling around. So he, he publishes a monthly antique paper, <laughs> newspaper. So he's traveling all around Michigan and you know some of the Great Lakes area, taking pictures, talking to people. He's got like the the best uh, gift of gab I know of anybody. Yeah. Advertising like crazy on Craigslist or wherever, and then going out and trying to buy whatever they have. Yeah, so but you know, big time networker, always running. Yep, always networking, big time networker. So he ends up getting all these deals on antiques, and he's 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 either advertising in the paper or he's uh, consigning it. Selling it, kind of like the pawn shop, but his yeah. version with the antique world. He probably learned it all from the pawn shop. <laughs> right. Pick it up, flip it, use the money that you you got put to it go buy else. more shit. Yep. Right, pick it up, flip it. Yeah, yep. but so constantly he's got some sweet. You end up when you do that, and that's what you do. You end up getting like like some of the best of the best. Yeah. So he's got like some of the best for, examples. For little, yeah, yeah. And you end up getting it. You know, you you, know, you basically paid for it. But uh, so we learned a lot so, from just what I could do, yeah. being around that. Doing stuff there. How how old were you guys when you started working in the working with them and doing all the menial labor for your grandfather and father? We'd come home from Mid- school every day. In middle school, we'd go home. We'd go to the pawn shop every day. Walk down there because it was Austin. it was downtown Lansing. The, the pawn shop. We went to uh, Pattengill. So we walk down, clean glass after school, do whatever else is needed down there. Watch a couple of video discs until I think we went home with our yeah, dad. Yeah, like when Walkman's <laughs> first came out, they'd be there. Yeah, we could. We'd play. All we would do. That was the beauty of it. You could play with all the stuff in the you, pawn yeah, shop. Yeah, you could play with all the stuff. Yeah. So we get you know, Walkman's when they first came out, and we thought they were awesome. We'd get Walkman's, we'd try we'd, we'd, these old laser discs. We watched. They were yeah. cool then. They were cool yeah, then. I remember cool, how cool yeah, they yeah. were. Huge. Yeah, they had to flip it too. I never quite understood that. Like they created a disc, huge. Oh, yeah. But wait. You gotta turn it over halfway through. Didn't they go in with a big cassette too? It wasn't. Was it I just the a big disc? Cassette. It was like a big cassette you put in there as well. Yeah. It was the size of a record, wasn't it? 
It was. Or yeah. was it a cassette? I don't know. I remember no, the cassette video being small, like it covered the whole record you put it in. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I probably am. Yeah, I don't remember that. Did you learn any negotiating techniques from Grandpa working at the the pawn shop, or was you just know. more like? We we weren't in, we we weren't interfacing with the customers at all. It was more <laughs> you know, go go clean that stuff up over there. And you can listen to the Walkman if you're good. Yeah, well, yeah, we, yeah, we'll try to get lost and like go grab some of that stuff. <laughs> so but your no. dad with the gift of gab does does he have a blog or a podcast or anything like that? Or he should, but he should. probably enjoy it, dude. He should totally do. Is that newspaper he does? Can he make that an e newsletter or something? Or no. I'm sure. I'm no. Sure. Well, <laughs> he could definitely have some spinoffs from that. Yeah. That's for sure. Because or a podcast. Right now it's like, yes. you know, slow, uh, slow paper. I think he's talked about it, but I think that he's just, that's well, not his generation. Well, and he's traveling all the time. So he doesn't have any, you know, he doesn't have any time to run his own stuff. Um, and let alone get, you know, go, go, uh, online. So. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. That would I think that would be cool. Can you think we can maybe try and get him on the podcast? I want to hear these stories. Buy him. Yeah, oh, he's, got some, he's oh, yeah. got some great stories. Yeah, I think that yeah, would. So he grew up in the pawn shop. That was that was his business until he was in his thirties. Is when he started the antique stuff. So he's you know you tell talk about Magic Johnson. They'd come in or, or Doctor J or something like that. I heard all kinds of wild stories like that. Oh, yeah. He'd go to their house and deliver stuff. So yeah, it was Wilcox Trading Post was the, was the name of the place, and back uh, I, don't even, I don't even know time frames, but back before we were born, it was one of like the first pawn shops in the Lansing area. So if a big band came through, as far as I know it, if a big band came through, they'd always because they had a they had a good uh, music section, huge music section. So if a big big band came through, they'd stop there and they'd check it out. They'd always go to it was kind of like a destination going to Wilcox Trading Post. <laughs> Get so some remember, deals. Yeah, they get some deals to pick up some good, like some sweet guitars or something. But I remember we were there once and there was just stacks and stacks of cheap trick, like uh, speakers at one point. So they, I think they, they think they had bought, you know, this, this you know, the old speakers that. from cheap trick or something. That's what, that's how I recall it. I don't know. I could be wrong too, but that was, that was a blurry time, I guess. <laughs> how old were you then? We were, uh, Middle, middle school, school, before middle school, too, yeah. were there, yeah. you know, scrubbing down windows and stuff. Well, uh, right here, too, it says your grandfather owned residential real estate. He did. Yeah, talk to me about that. <clears throat> so that was our first kind of experience with real estate. So he had a bunch of rentals. I don't know how many he had in the heyday, but he had some residential, he had some commercial. He had some commercial, too, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'd get the – when we were in high school, I think we started working there. We would get the worst ones. We'd get the ones where – the people would eat food inside under the couch, and then we'd <laughs> have to go. I mean, that was and, their daily, yeah, daily routine forever. And then we'd have to go over there and spend a week cleaning it out. Oh my trash gosh. bag after trash bag, a dumpster out, dumpster outside. Yeah. So our first foray into real estate was not a positive yeah, one. I, we I didn't was, like it. No, it was gross. It was terrible. It, it you know, I don't know. What, it, well, I don't know what what we were doing half the time. It was just cleanouts, painting. Doing crazy, like you know. I think I remember one time we had to paint the basement. Yeah. We're probably, I think we're in high school. We're in high school. But all I remember is, you know, all of a sudden I couldn't even stand up straight. So it was like the old school, you know, oil based paint, no air ventilation. (laughs) So we had to go upstairs and it was just like, but we didn't even know it. I think someone came down like, hey, you guys need to get out of here. 
Yo, there's no, there's not, there's no ventilation out here. I remember like sitting down. I just couldn't even stand up. I couldn't even sit straight. It was like a strobe light going off down there. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was real. I think we all went. We, we were. I don't. Did we finish? I don't even remember. I remember going upstairs though because we could, it couldn't handle. That's it where we came to. Back when we had child labor, this country was great. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But that and uh, just you know, I remember. So the couple stories was that and and uh, just cleaning out this this house where the people for however many years would sit on their couch and eat dinner. Take their paper plates, throw them underneath the couch. Why would somebody do that? They lived in filth. It was disgusting. So many people live in filth. So eventually, yeah. you know, I they I don't know the story. They must not have paid rent, so they got evicted, or they were evicted. It took a dumpster to clean it out. That was a side by side duplex. Because I remember the, the other side was so long. not rented. That the other side was unlivable. Probably remember going over there. Yeah, I tried to try to. <clears> it, was kind of those, it was it was like one of those scary, uh, scary old houses that was kind of decrepit. Yes. On the other side, I mean the 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 side that was lived in was scary too. But where was this at? Was this? Uh... It was downtown Lansing. Okay, yeah. So this is, was this the hood for Lansing? I don't know anything about Lansing. It was downtown. It wasn't a great area. Grandpa buying houses in the hood. It wasn't a great. It wasn't a bad area. You know, back either. when he got it, it was probably a nice a nice <laughs> brick side by side duplex. It was just an old house, but old house and. Really poorly uh, maintained by the tenants. Yeah, Lansing. Even when we were there, I think, or at least when we were doing the house, it was Hosmer Street. Yeah, that that didn't. It wasn't a good area. All, all the houses on that street weren't. They weren't nice. Grandpa didn't care. Go clean it out anyway. <laughs> I'm sure he had it for a long time. At that point, it was it was it was it was, yeah, it, was, it, was uh, it was rental income for him. Yeah. Yeah. Of all the stories, like that one, nothing compares to that. After that, I I wanted nothing to do with real estate. It was disgusting. Yeah. So, the, so that, disgusting. so that didn't make us think. Oh, like real estate. That sounds really no. Good. It was real estate. That's not what we wanted to do. We knew about <laughs> we're, the only thing we knew about real estate was, you know, shitty jobs, <laughs> shitty work, <laughs> sh- shitty like having to do work on them, and then you know, just just the only experience we had with a tenant yeah. was a tenant who didn't throw anything away. They kept it all. So a hoarder for the most part. I always remember dad not liking it too. <laughs> I, I remember dad never liked real estate. I don't think he does to this point. So I, right. I kind of got that vibe from him as well. Uh, that's funny. I was going to say, well, you both went out and got jobs though, but you come from this long entrepreneurial background. Walk, walk yeah. me through how just, you guys came to that decision. Just following the traditional path. So, you know. Yeah, but you had multiple layers of entrepreneurial and you just end up getting jobs or. Maybe we were pushed yeah. that way. I don't know. I, I mean. High school, after high school, you go to college, after college, you go get a job. So that's just the way we went. But we always had some, like, we always had, we always, we always talked about, hey, we want to work for ourselves. But we never, we never actually did it. We just went and got jobs. Yeah. I mean, uh, in college, there's the Carlton Sheets. I think we were were looking at that. Yeah. So in college, we we were thinking more about real estate. But we're in college. We had no money, no credit. And, really we, it, and, and there weren't a lot of online at that point. You could just barely get on AOL. <laughs> so yeah. there, there was, I didn't really, we didn't know how to, I think there weren't any resources online. You could go to like you can now and learn a ton about how to get into real estate. What about these pearls of wisdom from uh, great grandpa, grandpa and dad about going out and starting your own business and doing all that stuff and being entrepreneurial and working your ass off. And so I think that was always ingrained. I never talked to grandpa about, we got that through, just every day. Yeah, just through kind yeah. of watching them, we got that. I don't know if that, we, we never we, we never talked about business. It yeah. was it was just we've got to work today. And but it was pretty, never long term. I'm pretty sure they're <laughs> like, no hey, you know, goals. go to school, go to college, go get a job. 
I don't know. I wonder if that's they're like go to school and go to college. You know, you don't want to do this. Maybe they're pushing us away from that. Actually, sure. <laughs> they're worn out, worn out <laughs> entrepreneurs. Not everybody yeah, can make it. They're burned out. <laughs> well, yeah, with, don't follow the horse. With a the pawn shop, they end up getting into the city, end up buying that whole block, and they put a uh, Lugnut Stadium. There. Yeah, a, yeah, a state, a baseball stadium there. So that was a big thing because they had the shop. They kept on the, the city kept on saying, "Hey, we'll give you this." My grandpa would say, "No." I don't want to. And then they would go, Laura, well, okay, now we'll only give you this. And, you know, and eventually they just take whatever they were going to give yeah, them. Eventually, yeah, eventually. Because they're going to take the whole block. So it, you know, I don't think it, I don't know if maybe he wasn't happy the way it ended, but. Yeah, but that that's was That's just sad. the way it worked out. So know this, you got you to go start your own business, all that. You somehow end up doing the more traditional route, which yeah. is going to college, all that. Now, you guys are in business together. Was that always the plan, or that was always from what I remember? Yeah, we were we always talked about doing it. So we're better together, better as a team than individually. Explain that. Explain that. Most siblings don't get along. No, we get along great. Well, we get along great now. (laughs) But when okay, so we're twins. Let's dig. Let's dig deep. Any twins who who are competitive? We were very competitive. So when we were younger, it was a daily fight to the death like we would we would you know furniture is breaking you know we're headlocking each other and t- for hours at a time because i know if i've got him in a headlock he's pissed if i let him go you're gonna get murdered yeah, yeah. i'm gonna it, it will go back and forth and yep, so, it'll go back and yeah. forth if so if i got scott to the point where he just couldn't he was so <laughs> raged i know if i let him go it's bad he'd come and get me and he'd know to the point where i'm so enraged he lets go it's gonna be bad for him so we would we'd spend every day like our parents would threaten, "Hey, we're sending you guys off to boarding school." Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I, I forgot about that. It's also reminded me about it. Yeah, not long ago. So, I'm like, really, you guys said that to us? So being a twin it was gr- it was it was great because you always have someone there. You always have someone who's got your back. You, you always have a friend. You can't go wrong. But when you're close quarters all the time, it gets. It gets pretty rough. Well, close age too. Nature's a cruel motherfucker. Like you watch the National Geographic channel and the bird that gets born sooner pushes the other eggs out. Right. You know what I'm saying? To get more resources. Was this like an attempt to? Luckily, that was illegal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know like dinner time was always. Which one was born first? Uh, me. Ooh, yeah. You didn't push him? You didn't so go like... He always goes, oh, that's not right. That's all right. It's really... Like it by a minute. We were pulled out pretty fast. Wait, wait, is this not, is this like, we're not no, official? We're pretty sure that it was John. Yeah. We're pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, first, I got the, the pink jumpsuit coming home. Yep. They, they were exactly. So they didn't know where, my mom didn't know she was having twins until like the day before. They thought it was a really big baby. Yeah. So not knowing they had a, a blue and outfit, pink. a big one. I got, the I got blue since I was the first one day of the boy. Oh, and the boy. Got pink, <laughs> yeah, got, you know, with pink, it's, it's. it's it hurts when you say it like that, John. <laughs> it's for a reason. I'm doing that for a reason. But um, so growing up, it was it, being a twin. It was great because you had someone there, but it was tough because you're you know kind of fighting all, fighting the whole time. Always in competition. Yeah, but as we you know after high school, you know, we, we were always best friends. Mm-hmm. But now you know it, it, the closer, the more time you spend together, it makes it rough. The the less time you spend together. You're just really good friends, and you have you, we have each other's back, so it works out well. Being a twins, great. You get to do any of that cool twin shit, like swap girlfriends and shit like that, or no? no never. No, not once. Somebody would always say something. 
Yeah. Wait, have, is this the line we're going with? Or you're just not going to uh, let out the twin I secret? Think in, in track, we may have, I may have run a Scott, race. Why are you once. winking like that? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Nobody can see that. Huh? Shh. You're on video. You're being <laughs> recorded too. No, we're, you can tell us apart pretty easily. Yeah, I can too. It's not that close. So I didn't know me when you're younger without the beard too. So I'm a little work out the same. You know, <laughs> right. Now. So now, uh, <clears throat> so, so we work really well together. And now being, you know, almost 40 now. <clears throat> You know, it, I can do something myself. Scott can go and work on his own, doing something with real estate. But if we work together, we just get so much more done. Fast, efficient. We know how we, yeah. we, we know each other so well that, you know, it just, the synergies work really mm-hmm. well. So it works well. It works. It works you well. guys went to college together too, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you did, you did the whole thing together. We've been yeah. together our whole yeah. lives. And with twins, you either, you've got two who do not get along, it seems, or they do get along. We always got along, which was, you know, to our benefit. Good for us. Right? Yeah. Well, how did one end up trading and the other one end up an accountant then? Same thing. It's all finance. No, it's not the same thing, man. It's not the same thing. Like, uh, You know, I don't know how I got into accounting. So I know with trading, I initially was a financial advisor right out of college. Oh, yeah. well, let's back up. Walk, walk, well, me through, walk me through college. What, like, Did you guys know what you wanted to be when you went to college? So that was when the stock market was booming. So the big thing was finance and stocks, stockbroker or whatever. Yeah. So, so we, I, I was, it was always money. I always liked money. Financially minded. And then when you got out of college, it's like, okay, well, what, what job's available? <laughs> yeah. What do you actually do? You have yeah. a finance degree. Okay. Now what do you go do? I hated accounting in school, but I, 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 I like organization. I, I liked accounting, you know, when I got into it. So you just like the, you like the accounting side and you went the other direction. You prefer trading. I was investing. Yeah. You probably like accounting if you tried it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. So Scott was accounting. I did more investing. Just because you know, I like investing. That's what I'm doing now. I'm investing in real estate. Mm-hmm. So I was a financial advisor and I was just sales, cold call, you know, hours all day long. And I wasn't very good at it because I was a kid out of college. And I'm calling all these people who have a good amount of money. And I'm just like 20-year-old kid trying to say, hey, you know, let me, let me manage all your money. And some, some of the, like I, I do all these cold calls. Some of the people would actually say, hey, let me teach you something. Because they're like, you know, successful people. So I was like, okay, th- this isn't going to work out. Or at least this isn't going to work out the way I saw it at that point. So <laughs> how many were we doing it a day? How many cold calls a day were we doing? Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds a day. How long did you do it? For a year. For a year. Ooh. And, I was, and I was doing okay, but I wasn't doing well enough. So I knew that I knew I wasn't doing well enough. So I ended up just quitting. Did they give you training or anything like that? Or did they just put the phone book in front of you and said, dial John? You uh, it's like that boiler room stuff. Yeah, yeah. is a bit. Well, yeah, no, because you're not. Call it, <laughs> much I wasn't up, pushing any stocks up and up or and up, Yeah, you were just trying to find clients. No, nothing crazy. Were you doing mutual funds, or, or how were you? Like, what were you actually trading? Mutual funds and uh, for the when I was a financial advisor, you're just doing mutual funds and and, uh, and individual stocks and trying to get clients to come in. If you got somebody in, one of the more established guys would come in and sit with you, and you know they'd probably end up taking the account. But when I when I was trading, we're just trading. I was trading for a local mutual fund company, so I'm not trading where I've got I'm like buying buying and selling the same stock and just like taking the spread, trying to make money that way. We wanted to own a position of X Y Z stock. It was my job to go in there and buy it or to, or to sell it. Hmm. So that was my that was pretty much the trading was, was like that. But, how do you do that out of curiosity? Like, how do you go on? Because you're talking about large institutional money, right? You're not talking about large money. Yeah, we trade billions of dollars a quarter. Yeah, so right? 
You just don't go out and place an order you for You don't just get into it. Nope. So I ended up so okay, so I I leave the financial advisor and I get a job on the desk of this on the trading desk for this for this firm. Which I think I got you that job. What? Right? I don't think so. I I, was, I think I well okay. taking credit. Again, I, I think I'm again. Good. I like how you had to throw in again. No, he probably put in a good word. He probably put in a good word. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it was it was uh, yeah. yeah. We won't name names, but the company I was working for was owned by. It was an affiliation. Uh, yeah, affiliated with the bank he worked for. So uh, I started in clearing, which is after the trade's done, you have to clear it with whoever the other side of the party was. So I started there, then started trading, worked my way up. What what is clearing? What is what does that actually entail? So if uh, if I go and buy. A a share of uh, IBM. I'm buying it. We'll say from from you, Jeremy. Someone's going to come at the end and say, "Hey, do you ver- can you confirm that you sold it to John for this price?" And John, do you confirm that you bought it from Jeremy for this price? How is that done? Is that by phone or what? Email uh, it's electronically or? afterwards. Okay, it goes through the banks. It goes through. They can't uh, automate that. They need you. I'm just curious. I'm sure it's automated now. Okay. But back then, was, I was doing – we had paper tickets. It's crazy. I don't think I actually know how any of that shit actually gets bought and sold. Walk us through the whole thing. Like how, how do you buy and sell that shit? Because I want to know what you were doing. <clears throat> so on a uh, so when you're trading – so we were trading you know, up to a couple million shares would be my – so I'd have a, a trade blotter. I'd be <laughs> – I'd have X amount of trades. So a five to 20, we'll say, trades. And each one could be – 50,000 shares or a million shares or 3 million shares or something. And we were a small to mid cap shop. So we're trading, trading uh, stocks that or buying and selling stocks that are pretty small companies and they don't trade a lot. They're not like IBM. We're not trading a lot of IBM or Apple or something that trades millions of shares, you know, every hour or something. So, what I'd have is a bladder full of stocks. And basically, I'm sitting there and the minute the, the stock market opens, you know, you go into focus mode and then you don't come out of it until the stock market closes because you're watching every single tick on as many stocks as you can monitor. And I've got like four monitors in front of me. So you're watching out. So, you, so you're basically, I'm trying to buy it at the cheapest price I can. I'm trying to sell at the highest price I can. And the orders are going to take you a couple months sometimes to fill. So you've got to be really careful. It's like a game of chess. So I'm going out there and if I'm buying something, I don't want anyone else to know I'm buying it because they'll take advantage of you. So there are all these all these uh, computers out there. They're looking for people who are naturals, a natural, someone who is really buying a stock or really selling stock. So you've got all these computers looking and trying to find these people. And if they can find you, they'll take advantage of you. They'll, you know, if you're trying to buy it at uh, fifty bucks, if a computer, if one of these black boxes finds out, they they sense that you're there, they'll start taking the stock up. And then if it goes up, they'll then try to sell it to you higher, and then you have to play the game. So do you chase them? Do you walk away and see if it comes back down? Because at the end of the day, you have to go to the portfolio manager and say, hey, the stock is way up and I didn't do anything today. And they're going to be like, well, why not? <laughs> and you sell and make some money. And you've got to explain why. I was caught by a black box. Yeah. I well, mean, yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize most trades are not actually done by human beings anymore. They're done by machines. So you talk about looking for a natural. I mean, you're looking for a, a, a flesh. You're looking for flesh on the you're other looking end. For flesh. Yeah. So yeah, most even. And then the I'm computer trading, will take advantage of you. Yeah. Even when I'm trading, I'm trading, you know, I'm trading electronically. They're all, all trades are electronic. Um, but yeah, so I'm trading. So you, you know, it's hard to explain. You've got a whole bunch of different types of trades you're trying to do. 
and you're trying to find other naturals, if you can find another other natural, you can cross them right there. That's the perfect trade is where you don't have to go in and affect what's going on. But there are a lot of uh, predatory trading systems. They're just out there searching for people. And if they can find you, if they can find – if someone goes in there and they're not smart about it, you lose a ton of cash. Or you gain a ton of cash. I mean if you're buying and a, a bad seller goes out there and the stock gets driven down, you're like high-fiving everybody in the office. <laughs> a bad seller. So what is a bad – is that somebody who doesn't know how to sell correctly? That's right. All right how do you so, sell correctly? So if you are not doing a good job, so saying, let's say we're buying, if I just come in and buy and I just and I've got a lot to buy and then stock doesn't trade a bunch, if I went and just start buying, 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 the stock price is going to start going way up. Stock price goes way up, all of a sudden you've lost, you know, a million bucks, thousands of dollars to millions of dollars. So if you are just going out there and just being a bull in a china shop and buying everything you can see and the price is flying up, you you're unless you're done, which most likely you're not, you know, if you're not done, you still have maybe say you have a hundred thousand shares, you buy fifty, the price is a couple of dollars higher. Now you still have fifty thousand shares to, to buy. That's another fifty, hundred grand. That all adds so. up pretty fast. So you, really you buy fast. over how, what percentage of the market months. do you buy? Like a percent or two, or like is there some magic know. number? Um, no, you get you have to go in and judge it every time you're in there. So mm-hmm. every trade is different. It's it's it really is like a chess game. You go in there, you kind of get a feel for the for for that stock that day. It changes every day, and uh, you know if it's if you can find another natural, you can get the, the trade done really fast. You do it. If you can't, you go as slow as possible and hang in the weeds so that no one knows you're there. And you just you slowly pick away. How do you not look like a human being? Do you run it through computer software or you just don't do you don't go you do it as you just try to be as stealth as you can. So you don't put a lot out of like how do you do that in an electronic world though? Because basically there's like crumbs everywhere back to you all the time. So you wouldn't put a lot out at once. So you wouldn't display a lot of like you, you're not going to display. Hey, I'm trying to buy fifty thousand shares. I would display. Hey, I'm trying to buy two hundred shares. And there's a whole book in there. So you're just you're not going to display a lot. You're not going to look like a natural. You're going to look like just another little picker in there. And you you just don't want to uh, you know tip your hand that you're out there <clears throat> trying to do anything. And you got people who at the end of the day go back and like Monday morning quarterback every single trade, right? You got people who come in during the day. The oh, they're like, hey, the stock moved. Well, how much have we bought? How much have we sold? And they're either going to be really happy with your answer or they're going to be pissed. <laughs> and so you've got to be able to say, hey, this is why it is. So you've got to say if the stock runs up, you've got to say, hey, I, I, what I would usually do because I was – you know, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to chase anything. I'm going to stop and see if it comes back. If it doesn't come back, I'm not going to do anything usually because I'm not going to chase something. If there was a, a buyer who went in, they were a bull in a china shop and they ran the price up. Let them keep on doing it. When they're done, hopefully the, the stock will come back down. That might take a week. And if you don't buy anything for a week, a lot of people are like, hey, you know, why don't we have any more of this position? We want to own this. So you have to know what you're doing and have your strategy down and be able to explain it really well. Otherwise, you get people are kind of pissed at you. Man, or, you got- or really happy with you. Or really happy one way or another. How long did you do this? 13 years. Wow, oh, was it thirteen years? 13 That's years. a long yeah, fucking long. time, dude. Years from when I started on the desk, so I was really trading for probably eleven. How do you? So did you get paid commission or a commission on salary? Nope, or just salary. <clears throat> so you I did working, all that for just a salary. It was it was a it's a very exciting job. 
Okay. It was very fun. I it was you know I, I doesn't I, sound like fun. It sounds like hell. You, you so you liked it. I loved it. It was you know every day is different. There's a ton going on. It is a little bit stressful, yeah. But you're playing a game all day long. It was a lot of fun. It, the only down down part is you know you have like if you feel sick, you might not you might have to go into work anyway because you're responsible. You're responsible for all the trades on the desk. We had you know between four and three people at any time. If someone else is out. And it's just you and someone else. Too bad. You need to get in there because you're responsible for what's happening there. So in a way, you don't have a lot of free. Well, you've got freedom, but you know it's a regular job. You have to schedule time off, do this and that. You know, if you have something to do at home, you either can be there or you don't. If you've got something with the kids, you either attend or you don't. Yeah, well, but what made you not do it for a commission? Isn't the whole point of that kind of thing is make a fucking shit ton of money on commission? I watch Wall Street, man. I saw how it worked, well, that's right? That's a different type of trading. That's trading if you're trying to make, like, if you have, oh, I've got $100 million, I'm going to trade this and just try to make some money. Mine was a different side. I was working for a mutual fund company, and we would, if they want to own a position, it's my job to go and create that position. If they want to sell it, it's my job to go out and sell it. How'd they incentivize you, though, then, if they weren't commission based? Uh, you get paid very well still. And you get a bonus at the end of the year. Okay, so and, there's a bonus. And the bonus is significant as well. Okay. If you hit your numbers. If you don't, yeah. If you if you are just doing a good job and you don't fuck up. So, like, if you do a good job, you do a good job. If you fuck up, they have to write a check that day. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you have an error, like, let's say I accidentally bought something and I really was supposed to sell it, you know, you write a check for the difference. Did you do that? Fuck no. <laughs> no, uh, you know, it, sometimes it happens. Sometimes there's, you know, it's 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 not the desk's error; it's someone else's error. You know, when we, you know, way back in the day, there were paper tickets, and you would have errors, but you'd hopefully catch them quickly and not have it not have it be too bad. But we had some, you know, there's some 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 dudes. Biggest there. fuck up. Uh, Spill the beans, man. Oh, it, uh, made me ask Scott. He probably knows. You lose money not for this mutual fund. Not, for me, I never had a big. I never had a problem. The largest one we had was definitely well over six figures. It was a tough Ooh, one. How'd but you explain it, that one? But that wasn't our problem. That was an error that someone else had. <laughs> it it wasn't. We we ended up we executed it, but we we didn't know any different. So it, it was it was an error for the firm, but. You know, you know about that job. You'd be done if whenever the stock market closed, and then but you don't have to work. Think about work at all. You're, you're done. There's nothing to do. You go home. There's no work at all. You just you're home until the stock market yeah. opens again. When the stock market closes, you know, work it's stays over. at work. There's nothing there. you can do. You go home. You come back the next day. The minute it starts, you're playing again. And when's the stock market open from? <clears throat> Nine to four thirty. Really? That's short, huh? It's short, right? It is short. It, it seems short. It seems yeah. Not, the, not a full day. Even in this <laughs> in this modern era, is it still open during those hours? Or they? That's I funny think to think of the hours. closing I mean, market, twenty seventeen. I, I was only there a couple of years ago. I I thought when I left that it would be like I'd watch I'd watch the news all day long. All the news channels were on. I'd watch it all day. The minute I left, I never watched news again after that. Mm. Like even I'm thinking, okay, when's the stock market open and close? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's nine to four thirty. But I mean, I just you know, it's just gone. That whole that whole life is now. It's now just a. It's more of a distant memory. It's crazy. Well, you liked it. What made you decide For, to leave it? To leave. Forced to leave. Yeah. So we were. Not to get into too many details, but we were kind of owned by another firm, and it was private money. <clears throat> so we were in a uh, a fund that had a certain life, 
and we were at the end of that life and they had to liquidate us somehow. And um, they kind of got to the end and they were forced to make a decision. So we were purchased by another firm. Um, and since they were the purchaser, they were the ones left standing at the end of the day. Mm. It was in another city. Another city, yeah. At Cleveland. They want to go. Some, someplace. Yeah. And in the meantime, you're doing a bunch of accounting shit. You know, it wasn't. How did one end up on the exciting job, and what was what is it one? So, so when I first started, I was doing. It was kind of like mutual funds. So I was doing. I was working in a bank, but in the in a department where they kind of had a basket of of funds for their customers. It was kind of like mutual funds. So it was it was similar to what I had wanted to get into. Um, But it was very much accounting. You're just reconciling numbers all day long. It wasn't like yours at all. There's no trading of anything. You're you might buy and sell some stuff out of a basket of funds, but that's about it. Mainly you're doing, you're doing accounting more like reconciliation of things. Walk me through that. Cause I don't know where the basket of money is. Cause you think where the bank computers do everything. Well, let's, so I guess not. Right. No. Maybe today as well. Yeah. Back then. Back then. A lot no. Of paper stuff. So there'd be somebody who wants to have so much of, you know, S and P 500 and this fund here, that fund there. And you would manage that customer's basket of whatever they wanted, whatever the, the the collection of funds that they wanted, it was a it was a collection of funds. So you would, if they wanted to buy more, they'd actually put a order in to buy fifty. You know, it was not not as big as yours. It was small, like fifty shares more, hundred shares more, whatever whatever it was. And you would go in and you'd you'd buy fifty shares, or you you would. We weren't doing any buying and selling, but you'd, you'd do the counting for adding 50 shares because that order would be in somewhere and you'd just do the counting for that order more or less. And that was pretty much it. It was, a, it was, it was boring. It's kind of settlement though, right? You kind of, uh, no, there was no settlement. It was, I, did, I was on the accounting side of it. I would see the trades and in any kind of stock splits or anything, you'd, you'd do the counting for the stock split, but you're on the right. accounting side of all of that. So it was, it was much more on the boring back office Yeah, it sounds side. like it fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> you did that for how long? I don't remember how long I did that. A, a good two or th- uh, maybe three or four years. So okay. in there, I started doing my MBA, and it was you. We could you could go around. So I was doing. Uh, you'd change up funds. It'd, it'd be a little bit different. So I started doing the MBA, and that's kind of when we started doing the, the auto repo stuff. Yeah, I want to get to that. Yeah. So so I was busting my ass at the bank doing that stuff. You know, for however, however many years, and 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 was really successful at it. Um. But we were, it was probably early 20s, and we, we knew a lot of guys from the bars who were, who were repo-type guys. And then, and then we actually, we lived next to one for a while. Yeah, so we got to know him pretty well. Actually, we, yeah, we lived, yeah, we were roommates with one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, like a repo franchise? Yeah, you know, they were just repo drivers. Hmm. So, yeah. uh, repo driver slash bouncer. You guys slash. don't strike me as repo people, too. I see you. I don't, don't take that the well, wrong way. See, so this, was the, this is when the entrepreneurial thing started to seat back in. So, ah. so I had gotten a taste of corporate life, and I was busting my ass thinking, you know what? I should do this for myself. I, I could, you know, if, if other people can do, I, I just, I, I should be, I should, if I work this hard on my own, I'd be really success, successful. So, so I was doing my MBA, and I, I ended up doing a, uh, we did do a, uh, like a business plan, business plan know. for something, and, and we knew these repo guys, and and it was an exciting, you know, kind of <laughs> yeah, sexy, <laughs> sexy business. So we hear all these stories, yeah, because that's that's what all these guys do, or they just tell stories. Hell yeah! So so I, I don't know if we'd gone out on a couple repos, but anyway, I did a business plan on on a reposition uh, business, and then figured, you know, I could do this. 
And it would be a whole lot more fun than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so I put together a... You guys weren't married yet, though, were you? Were you no, married no. Yet? I, okay, yeah. We were so you're young, early dumb. 20s, early 20s, we're partying yeah. in Royal Oak all yeah. the time. Worked during the day. Go have fun at night. It was a fun, exciting time. Yeah, yeah. so I put together a proposal to, uh, to one of the local national kind of subprime auto lenders. Um, so I, we didn't even have a truck or a boom or anything at that point. It was more of a, I but think it'd be cool. Let's, let's see if I can snag somebody. And they accepted the bid or the proposal or whatever. And I remember, Shit. I remember when I, when I got the call, I was, I had gotten out of work. I was downtown Detroit standing on the top of the, the parking garage. <laughs> like, well, what are we going to do now? So, um, and we ended up, so we really quickly got a truck and got a, a boom for it. And we started doing it. We got a couple of, you know, a couple of small, had you left yet? No. At that point? No. So so we I don't know how long we did it while well, we were both at day jobs. Accounting by day, trading by day, yeah. snatching vehicles by night. But there's a lot of yes. daytime stuff that has to go. I remember we got I think we got an old explorer. And and so so we picked it up that night. This may have been a few weeks into it. Parked in the garage. That day the guy got it back. He went and he paid off his bill. I'm at work. I'm at work. There's nothing I could do. I, and and uh, I remember he stole it out of the garage that night back from us because they gave him the address to to the place I was staying. Oh. And he went and he stole it back out of the garage. I didn't have any paperwork. So basically, he stole the car back from me. How, oh, nice. Yeah. How do you get the car stolen back from you? He, well, op- he opened the garage and, and, and took it away. What garage? What was this? This is Madison Heights. So your first one, you get you get stolen <laughs> back? Know, it, was, it wasn't the I first one. That. It wasn't the first one, but it was it was one of the first few. So I, I and I freak yes. out. I remembered. I f- remember when I got so back. So Scott's personal residence. He would put in the garage. Yeah. We we had, we had reported. He put I'd, it in I'd the leave garage there. to store him there. Because there weren't many at that point. It was just a few. And what you do is you you get a an order for a car. Yeah. If you can if you can uh, repossess it, you then have to take it to wherever their holding lot is, or so, you hold it yourself. Or you hold yourself until you take it to the auction. Because that was my company, so yeah. I, I I should have had a, a, a secured lot somewhere. Yeah. So usually, so yeah, that. any uh, so you'd end up having a secured lot. You'd put your cars there. If someone wanted to come and get it from you, they'd go to you. You'd give them the car back from the secured lot. Yeah. But yeah, but right then, so at that point, Scott has his, just his house at his garage is the secured lot. Yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. So he broke into my garage. And How did he find you? I'm I'm pretty sure I think that the the company gave him the address to go back and get the car back from like it was a business yeah. address but it was at that it point wasn't. it was like it was very early on night, very early on day. yes boom so yes you fix that right it was an all out hunt for this guy I think we found him at his girlfriend's house in Detroit had him sign the papers no big deal yeah it all worked he's, out he's all right signed papers to get it back yeah but but in, but if I didn't have those papers. I figured I thought there would be some really bad stuff. That would go down. So wait, he went and stole his own car back from you, but he had to sign papers. So he paid for it, and then he, I, he, ah. he was coming. I should have released it to him. And I need this. It's all legal stuff, so he's got to sign off. I've got to sign off. It's got to be because it's trail. in my possession. I, I, it's not in my, in my possession. Yeah, but I was at work, <laughs> <laughs> so he just took it. He's like, he I'm just, not waiting. You know, he, he's like, okay, it's supposed to be here. He opened the garage. Oh, there's my car. He hopped in and, and left. You know, Who just as, opened somebody's garage door? Yeah, that's so, not that's nuts. That was a that was a nerve wracking night when I. And how much home. you get paid to go snatch somebody's car, right? Because that seems like maybe a little dangerous, you know. <clears throat> yeah. So back then, for that company, it was it was different for every company. A hundred or more per car, plus if plus there's storage and there's keys and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Wait, wait, so, storage and keys. Yes, yeah, so you could you could store uh, when you store their stuff. They have to pay to get it back. 
Like ah. when, you, when you put the keys, there's a key fee, and that was pretty lucrative. So say you repo the car, you get 200 bucks for that, and then you're going to store it. So you're going to charge 35 bucks or 50 bucks for storage, and then you need to make keys for it because they didn't give it to you. So you're making the keys for, okay, That's well, you're going to charge a key bucks. fee. So you have end up, you when, end up having, like, like uh, a, if your car gets towed, you have to pay the tow fee, you have to pay whatever they had to do. Yeah. So that's what it, you, that's their bill ends up being whatever, whatever it yeah. ends up being. And if they don't pick it up, you take it down to the auction downriver. So you yeah. just tow it down there, drop it off, sign off and everything. So you actually have to store the vehicles until the auction or can you just take it right to the. You can take it right there. Yeah. We, we, so we many times, lot, yeah. most of the time, I think we would pick it up, take it straight on down. Especially if we're down in that direction already. Yeah. So so that was I think I may have put in my two weeks after that car got <laughs> stolen from me. Uh and <laughs> then, was so, so stressed out about oh, it, was, it was terrible. The paper trail being broken. It was terrible. So so that started the uh the whole repo business there. You know, and, and we were professionals, right? So and I was working my ass off I figured, you know, I can I can do this better than the guys out there doing it right now. The the, the business owners, you know, the, the repo guys, you know, they all have their their good and good and bad, but the guys who were actually running the businesses, I, I was young, and I figured I can do it better than any of these guys. And I'll, you know, whatever. So, so that's what we did. That's what I did for about three years. I, I repoed by night. I tried to sleep a little bit in the morning, and I'd get up and kind of run the business by day. And then I'd usually go out at night as well. <clears throat> yeah, safety numbers. You know. <clears throat> so, how many cars were you snatching a day? If you get two or three or four, that'd be pretty good. Okay. You know, sometimes you go out and you'd find nothing. How do you find? Say, so how do you find them? You gotta give away the trade seekers, or do you just sign that away when you? Uh, you're allowed to skip tracing. Yeah, lots of skip tracing. So you're chasing. So you'd get a you'd get an order for a car, and they have the address where it's supposed to be, and usually the, it's never there. <laughs> it's so so you'd, then you'd, you'd skip trace it, find out the parents' address, girlfriend, any any address. How much was a skip trace? It wasn't expensive. I don't really recall what it was, but maybe five dollars or ten dollars it wasn't it wasn't very expensive okay and you could use a lot of there were some sites where you have to have be a licensed uh collections agency is what i think that that i was and then and you so if you had that you can go on to some of these sites and you could get the information white papers all the stuff on the internet you could use as well so you'd skip trace you try to you'd start calling trying to figure out where they are if they're not at where their residence was and most of them were i mean there's a lot of people who do this as purely a scam They'll get a white Tahoe in exchange with their cousin in Texas. And oh yeah. <clears throat> next thing you know, and then if you pick up that white Tahoe, you've you've committed grand theft. What? Because it's not the white Tahoe. You've stolen the white Tahoe that, that <laughs> yeah, you right. didn't that you didn't you don't have a repo order for. They'll block. They'll put a, a little sheet on the VIN so you can't see what the VIN is. I did that once. Actually, it was in Southfield. It was a it was a green Taurus. It was exactly where it was supposed to be, and I went and I hit it, and I hooked it up. And before I pulled away, I figured, you know, I should check this VIN. <laughs> I remember there were a bunch of painters. Just make sure this is the car I'm, trying, yeah, I'm supposed to be taking. Yeah, there were a bunch of painters next door, and it was like a big commotion because I hit it real quick. I lifted up. By hit the time it was lifted, he drove. You know, he yeah. lowered the boom on the truck, so, drove back onto it. So we had F two fifty with a boom that folds right into the truck. So you put the boom out. No one even knows you're there. You know, you hit it up. You, you hook it up, and you lift it. And then, and then, technically, legally, that that car is yours. Yeah, it's attached to your truck, and it's not movable. Yeah. So, so I, I, I checked, and the VIN was the VIN was not that car. Ooh. I almost pulled away with it. So <laughs> I, I dropped it. I, I unhooked everything. Painter's car. I took off. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, did, yeah, a lot of a lot of all nights. Every holiday you work, Christmas. I remember we picked up one car on Christmas full of Christmas presents. 
in Pontiac. That's some fucking sad shit, Scott. You're well, like the Grinch, right? No. No? No, because I, I called... We were, we were the nice... Like, we, yeah, you, know, you would be lucky to get me. Yeah, or, exactly. You know, John and I. Or we had some other guys working for us as well, but you know, most of the guys out there would... They didn't care about any anyone. They didn't care if they broke the law to get it. You know, they don't care if they broke broke into a garage. Just, they they want their they would they would whatever flash their guns. They do stupid yeah stuff. stupid stuff. That wasn't us. So flash I, guns. What what would be the benefit of flashing? Like a if gun? someone comes out and there's an issue, they'll flash a gun to try oh, to so to try to stop it. Like you get people who are just. You know, it seems like that's going to escalate the situation. Exactly. It will. But so so we we did everything by the book. I did everything by the book. You know, the, at the end of the three years, you can get some real top tier insurance, and you know, I got that. I think I probably end up getting a lot of orders from the companies from from people who are probably trying to scam, and the the finance company knew they were trying to scam scam, so they'd give it to me because they probably knew I wasn't going to break the law, do anything stupid, which work. means you're probably not, <laughs> probably not going to get the car either. Like some, which, of the, which some of the other people probably have to do some pretty shady things to yeah. get to get that car. It's a very gray area. Give me an example of shady things you would have to do to get a car. Not you personally, but like, the shitty people. Like, like say you go around and, and you see the car. Okay, so say you get out and you look inside the garage where the car is supposed to be and you see the car. But it's in a garage, door shut. Maybe even the it's locked. Maybe the door is not locked, but the door is shut. That, you, know, you can't break that plane. That's breaking and entering. Lots of guys just go in, open the garage, take off for the car, mm. and and if there was a camera on he that said, car, he said a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's something you've you've stolen. You, you, that's illegal. You can't. That do seems it. like real dangerous in 2017 with a camera on everything. Oh, camera yeah. on phones. Oh, I couldn't imagine Woo. it now. But back then there were. Yeah, you know, back then there weren't a whole lot of cameras, but especially were, in Detroit. There were. were Detroit, some of the Pontiac. You know, there's no there's no cameras. Yeah. Anymore. So so I would never do that, but a lot of guys would do that. You know, they'd probably make pretty good money doing it too. And so, after we do it, we're knocking on the door and say, "Hey, FYI, you're going to be going to work tomorrow. You're going to come outside, and your car is not going to be here." Yeah. So back maybe to the, make arrangements now. And so you would actually take the time to initiate. I would. No, we would go knock on the doors because we want to get the keys too. Because we either haul away. away or you give us the keys and we'll just we'll just drive, drive it away. away. Yeah, it's easy easy to drive it away. Plus, then you can go pick up another car on your way back if you if you can. Yeah. So like the Christmas one, Christmas deal, like I. It was in Pontiac. I called. The, or I went up and knocked on the door, and they're like, "Oh, thank you so much." I mean, everyone knows their cars out for repo. If it's, if it's, I mean, they've gotten. They know they haven't paid the bills, and the finance company has probably sent them a hundred letters. So yeah, most people were really appreciative and thankful when when I would knock on the door and then at least give them the the chance to get their work computer out. Or yeah, we got a lot or, of or thank something. Yous. No I mean, one's that's... ever let us know this before. Yeah. No one's ever let let me know. Hey, we're taking your car. So they sounds like they're veterans of losing their car, then, right? Like, Nobody's ever told me yeah. before. <laughs> they, right. Yeah, they cert- most certainly know what's going on. It's not, yeah. it's not the first yeah. time for a lot of these people. But then there were a lot that went that went bad. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if I, I mean, would. What, you know, what you want to do is have a very boring day when you're out repoing. But I know there was oh, some great. Like, I, I, I know there was, I know tell me the stories. The one raising days. There were a lot, there, some of the best memories I have. Or out repoing. Some of these things, I don't remember any of it. Because I'm working during the day. I'm going out at night with Scott. Or some of them, I was probably just so scared. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> my uh, brain blocks it well, out. work all night, I'd, I'd be sleeping and I'd, the phone calls would come in from finance company or whatever. And I'd answer it. They'd be like, are you, sleep- are you sleeping? <laughs> I'm like, no, not at all. I was, I was, I was out. Because <laughs> you, you repo all night long. Yeah. So, uh, like, I know there was the one on, on uh, Thanksgiving. It was down in Detroit, too. We, we go... Forget where the car was. We pick it was up, this? and then you went to go door knocking. That it was a Detroit cop who came out with a gun. Oh, oh my yeah. god! He came out with a gun in his sack. He's like, 
I could have killed I you or shot something. You. My gun is right here. But I think his 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 mother in law was there. Her but family were there. Something. He he was more disturbed because somebody was knocking on the door in the middle of the night. And he's in De- we're in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. We did a lot of Detroit. More, a lot of Pontiac. It was never. I think I had one in Birmingham. I, I remember when that came in. Like, oh, this is going to be a, a Porsche be so or something. Easy. I never saw that car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You never saw the car. No. no. So there was uh, like one in Detroit. Well, there's a lot of them in Detroit, but we were staking out a car one once in Detroit where there are gunshots. And, and yes. we okay, so you walk down the streets of Detroit back then, and you'd be it'd be dead silent. It'd be and you're you know, in a bad neighborhood too. Bad middle neighborhood, of the night, middle of the night, and nothing going kind on of next, everywhere. Next thing you know, there's people all around you. Everyone's up. They're all around you, and you're like, oh yeah, man. Up. But you kind of look the part too. I mean, I I look. I when I was out repoing, I looked terrible. I dirty, probably smelly, torn up, dirty clothes. But Scott's wearing a bulletproof jacket and carrying a gun as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did, so it, I did it safe, you as safe as I possibly could. He looks could. a little ominous. You know, if when when he's walking, like I would, I remember being there, skulk, 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 and out. I'm in the truck, kind of watching, <laughs> and we have a walkie-talkie, so we can communicate if we need to. So I'm in the truck watching, and I'll see like where he's in Detroit. And, you know. You don't want to just walk down the street and walk up to a car. You want to do it as stealthy as, as possible. So I'm watching, and you can just see him kind of come out of the shadows and go across. And you know, you, 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 he looks tactical. You probably wouldn't want to fuck with someone, you know, looking like that. You can, yeah. You can change to be what you need to be. Yeah, when exactly. You need to be it. So, yeah. But if they knew who we really was, they, you know, it's just, that's that's all show. So if you found a car that, and there were just too many people out. You'd stake it out, and you just sit there, and, and you. So you can't just back up and take the car. Or they get that, in the way. That's or? when. That's when. If there's people, a bunch of people right there oh, in Detroit, I'm not, gonna, I'm not about to do it. I'd rather leave than than get shot. Yeah. But I remember we were sitting there, staking out a car, and, and there were gunshots. I don't know if we heard them or not, but next thing you know, we've got the you know bright lights, bright lights on us, and the cops don't come don't up, the guns story. drawn, and <laughs> and you're kind of shocked because it's it's late. I'm probably a little bit tired. Shocked? No, very tired. I'll yeah. say very tired so, because so, I did something stupid. So they're like, you know, hands up, hands up. And I put my hand, I don't know, were you driving? Was I driving? You were driving. All right, so John puts his hands up. He's in the, he's in the passenger seat and for some reason puts his hands back down. I just, so I, I don't know what I was doing. And they put they, my hands it, up and I, I they thought, okay, we're good. Erupt. And so I dropped my hands and the guy was like, what the fuck? I know are they, you they doing? start screaming, you know, I'm going to shoot you. you yeah, I could have no, shot you no, for putting your yeah, hands down. Yeah, not I'm down. going to. I could have shot you. I could have shot you. You know, we're too and white guys. I, mean, was, I don't know what I was thinking, dropping my hands like that. I, I wasn't panicked at all. Just stupid, pure stupidity. But yeah. but and not thinking, just not thinking really. But you know that I remember that I think one I was just clearly. So tired. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. Because they I right when you there. put your hands down, they start screaming like that scream where you know something is really wrong. They're like, oh man, I'm going to die here today. Yeah, like either he would have. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't. You know, arrest us or do something. I, I know, right? But they, they were looking for a gun. Yeah, they were looking for. They were looking for a shooter. Looking right for a shooter. It was more important. The more important. <clears throat> yeah, there was one down river. The 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 one that I remember. The worst one ever was the one down river. So it was in like Garden City, and we're picking up a like a, an Astro van or some old lots minivan. of Astro vans. I remember. And we so there was a street, and it was one one way kind of divided little street in a subdivision. So we go up, we and we back up, and you hook on hook up to the thing, and it's in the driveway, but it's pulled in. So you, we were hooked up to the back, and it's front wheel drive. So, so you need to get the keys, otherwise you've got to pull this thing out. It's a big, heavy van. Not, I didn't want to stress the truck yeah. any more than I needed to. And you to. pull it out, the wheels are screeching yeah. because they're locked. The wheels of the car you're pulling out are locked. Yeah, so I went up and I knocked on the door. Next thing you know, it's just boom, boom, boom. All these guys just fly out, push me off to the side, fly out. They're running off to the 
running after the no the first guy goes to his car he's trying to block block you in because john's in the driveway I'm, yeah i'm driving so i've backed up <clears throat> i go hooked up. it and so we, we're very efficient at this yeah, he hooks hook it, and immediately seconds. I'm pulling it up, and Scott's walking to the door. Yeah, so so it's our car. It's attached to our truck, and two wheels are off the ground. But you don't want to get blocked in. You don't want to get blocked in. Yeah, so because then it's a standoff. I remember it's just one guy went straight to his car. I think the dad – these were younger guys. We were in our early 20s. These were younger than us. And the dad said – I don't know what the dad said. Maybe said block a man or something. So anyway – I just yelled to you, take it. And John just takes off just the the screeching of the tires. I'll never forget. <laughs> going and then going the wrong way up the, the, yeah, the one I'm way. going over because the guy is already moving. So I'm going over the yard. Uh, did you go over the, yeah, over the curb? At that point. Yeah, it was – so I know I I, came, I went I – even it was just really no thinking. It happened so quickly. I went running after the guys. One tried to get in the cab of the truck. So I, yeah. So I'm driving and I'm trying to fight a guy out. So I grab him and I I pull him out and I think do we have I, I don't know if for manual locks or or power they locks were, no they were manual okay locks, so I locked it and sure. I shut the door and that that was the only time when because I was then in the middle of three guys who are shoving me around that was the only we're, time I've actually had any, anyone touch me so yeah they were shoving me around you get out I think you got out with a baseball bat probably. And I don't rem- I don't remember much after that. Then the, then, <laughs> then the cops came, and I, it was I remember it was dark outside by the time we left. Did you we, get the keys? We got the keys. We got the car. There you go. Because, you know, we had it was ours at that point, just, but the, the cops were pissed because it was just a mad scene. Everyone was really upset, but you know that you know, it is what it is. The happy in Pontiac once the like oh, Pontiac yeah. once we were <laughs> that was terrible. <clears throat> we were there, and everyone comes out. The kids are because they hear it. Oh my hear God. it's kind of loud. You're pulling it up. Kids were screaming. The mom says, "Like you know, fuck this!" And she runs inside. And the kids are like, "I'm no, gonna get, don't, don't do get it, the don't gun. Don't do it. Don't get the gun." So she supposedly has got a gun now, and she's you know supposedly going to do something with it. So we're like hiding behind the truck. I think we even went to a different place, and we're hiding we, behind a different truck. We ran, yeah, and we we were in this driveway. So we we called the cops. We're yeah, like, we "Hey, we cops. need someone here now." That was the most police presence we've ever had. There were probably four or five cop cars. All lights going crazy. I better remember the kids. The kids were outside just screaming, "Mommy, mommy!" That's what scared me because it's like, okay, she's done this before, or something. Because they don't, she seemed, what, they she don't seemed want her unstable. This is never a good sign when the kids already know the plan. There was one in Detroit when we okay, so so oftentimes you go back and and it'll, the car will be parked back toward the back of the house yeah, because they back. know it's out for repo. They don't want someone to get it. I remember we, I went back there, and the second I got back there, there was a motion detector light that popped on, and next the next thing you see the little drapes get pulled. So they're looking to see who's out there. So it was the car. I think you came back and hit it. Yeah. So we picked it up and and the chick comes out with a big knife, a big kitchen knife. So we scatter. (laughs) Yeah. And and going into this one, we knew, hey, this one is not a great area. Bad area. Where are we going to go if this goes south? So So you plan your egress ahead of time. Yeah, we we always plan what's going on. And there was no getting getting out because the, the, the fences were really tall. And there was just no, there's nowhere to go. I don't know. I don't remember if she closed it. Anyway, no, she tried her. to close the gate on us too. You could see her jabbing at the tires, and and I don't think she got the first one, but she got the back one, and then we're stuck. And she's so then she's on the oh, phone calling the family, calling her 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 brothers and all that and cousins and stuff. And we're like, Poor fuck, yeah, we're there's no police coming, even if we call them. And we still call the police. Yeah, we call every time it happens. We'll call, call the police. Nine one one right away. Hey, we're we're repoing a car. <laughs> I bet they love you guys, right? Like, oh, great. Yeah. They probably get a lot, they, they they get a lot, get a lot yeah. worse calls than us. <laughs> yeah, that. We're the good ones. 
Probably, yeah. So luckily the, the brothers and cousins never came, but neither did the police. So the police we, came in? Did they? Yes, because they were going to charge her. How long was it? The, the, I, I don't know. know. I remember that. The police came because oh. she had actually done damage to the we car. So they said you can eat, you know, they were, they could have charged her with whatever for popping the tires. Yeah. Or she could just let us leave with the car. And we had to change the tire right there. Yeah, I remember because the it took there, a long yeah. time. We're, we, and was, you couldn't drop it because the game, as soon as you drop it, you lose, yeah, you right? You couldn't drop, you it, drop no. it. Yeah. So, yeah. I like all these rules about taking shit. Like, oh, once you got in the air, it's yours. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, those are probably the, the best stories. There's there's uh, many, many more. I remember the very first one was was one that I was stuck with because it was in right off Hall Road, some trailer park. And it was this lady with her, you know, little kid. It was a it was a green Ford Taurus, an old like 98 or something like that. And she was, you know, her husband was away because he couldn't find work. He was out of the out of the state. And we, you know, we went to go repo our car, and we, we took it. But you know that that was those were the people who truly were just down on their luck and trying to do good. There were a lot of people who just didn't care, and they're trying to game the system. So that was I, I'll always remember the very first one. That was sad. Now, how many years you guys repo cars? So I did it for a good three years. So you, when you're repoing, you work Christmas, you work all the holidays because that's when they're going to be around where their addresses. Got to catch them slipping, right? Got to catch them when they're, you know they're going to go see grandma or something right. like that. So you work all that stuff. You work twenty four seven, and and you, I mean, and and you know, so we would work and then we'd go to the bars on the weekend. You know, it's it's great if you're twenty one <laughs> or twenty two, but but at the end, I, I, you know, you start getting burned out. And when you want to have more of a life, because I think I, I was dating someone, and, and you realize if you want to have a family, this isn't a job you can do. You know, and we were—I was busting my ass, and again, I wasn't making the kind of money that I wanted to for that amount of work. And we got to the point where we got the, the kind of top tier insurance, so you could start expanding to the Chryslers and the Fords, the GMs. So you can really start to grow your business and, and start making some serious money, but. So the better insurance you have, the better contracts you got because yeah. you can get better cars. The better contracts yeah. required the higher end insurance. And, and we we're to the point where it was three years in, and that's a lot of the, the time frame was, was that, right? They didn't want any newbies. But you the know, whole dynamic was changing because – It was all changing so quick. Well, so there was that, right? And, and if you wanted to expand, you need to start bringing in a lot of people. And again, it's such a great area of legality that – that if you give up that control, next thing you know, you could be the one who's getting arrested because oh, yeah. somebody somebody did something stupid. It attracts want, a certain kind of person, right? It attracts, it yeah. attracts a and very you're responsible kind of for person them. who doesn't really care, but they want the money from that car. Yeah. They want to get paid for finding that car and, and taking it back. They don't want to let it go because it's not legally theirs to get. Well, they can't go get it legally. I would have been very susceptible to that, I think, in my early to mid twenties. Yeah, a, it was a lot of fun. A lot, very competitive very, too, fun. right? You want to get the car. <clears throat> you want to get the. And right. now it's a challenge. Yeah, you want to get the car. Bit of a game. So at the end, too, was right when all those repo shows started coming out. So, so many people with just a, a single truck and and a very you know, low barrier of entry. Yeah, they they didn't have anything else to that they could do so they'd get into the repo. And and they do it for almost nothing. Yeah, so the prices that the credit lenders would give you was being driven down because there were so many people trying to get into it saying, "Hey, we'll yeah. we'll do it for even we'll do it for this Less. this price." And and we're not going to pay for <clears throat> keys anymore. And plus you've got to buy the transponder for 150 bucks or whatever it was back then. Yep. So it got to the point where it was getting really tough. Transponder, what? You know, so back in the old day when you just have a, a regular key to start your car, 
and the the transponders have a chip, so you need to have that chip. I, all keys now have transponders, I'm sure. The car wouldn't start. It wouldn't start unless you had this chip, chip in it there. that was you know programmed for that car, and it was right there. So they made you buy it. I never did. No, but but you would need to if you mm. some so some of the contracts you would need to, and that just would. It's just not economical to to do that back then. You'd have to go to the the dealership. It'd take three hours. You'd have to tow the car there. No, no, that's not worth no, it. It would. It'd be. It it costs you money in the end to do it. So you need. You know, at that point, you kind of need the guys who are going to do more of the shady stuff to get to get more volume of yeah. cars repoed. <clears throat> so the price you're going to get is going down. The pe- there's a ton of people coming in. There's a bunch of hoodlums coming in because they just see the TV show. Yeah, they see the, the, all the TV shows. Yeah. I mean, you never wanted to be like the TV show because that was always high yeah. drama. You want you want it to be yeah high drama, just like you know, just like the flipping there. shows. You know, you know, flipping a house is not like the shows. Yeah, no. What percentage of your uh, the cars you went repo just went smoothly? Just went out, snatched them up. And what percentage did you get total? Like, did you get like half, or is it, is it kind of like leads? You only close on a certain percentage of them. It's kind of like that. We probably got. I don't even know. I don't know what the percentage was, but most of them went very smooth. I'd knock on the door. Probably ninety percent. Who I was, well. they'd know that it's coming. I remember there was one girl in Pontiac who repoed probably four times. I knew her by name at some point. It's probably, <laughs> Damn. Even her, I think even her roommates like it was at a <laughs> the apartment complex. Jenny's getting her car repoed again. That's exactly how it was. Hey, how it was. Jenny, I'll be Scott, it was a John. Red, it was a I'll red, be by around five. <laughs> it was a red sunbird. <laughs> It nice. old sunbird, I think. Yeah. So yeah. So so eventually we decided, you know, this. I'm not willing to put myself on the line to grow this business bigger. <clears throat> and I'm putting way too much time to, you know, make the money I'm making now. So how much did you make per year, or or, or what was the kind of pro- what kind of profit were you making for that for three years? You know, it sounded like you had some employees too, right? If so, we had some people who would who go repo for us, some drivers who would do Detroit, maybe in, in Pontiac. I'd get their contractor almost, guys, though. yeah, contractor. So that would pay them, you know, every car a hundred bucks that they pulled in. <clears throat> and I had a, we had a lot, had a lot back in. It was down in Detroit, like Schaefer, and it was a bad area of Detroit. We, we had a, a lot in Royal Oak too. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah. Now there's a condo there. <laughs> it was nice and Royal Oak. Going down to Detroit, that you know, it was oh, it was yeah. a secure They're, place. The downtown, yeah. But yeah, I'd be down there by myself, and, and I looked I looked the part. Yeah, but dark, scary. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, we decided to just uh, you know, I'd go back. I decided I'd go back to corporate because I was burned out. I'm like, you know, I'd, I'll just so the the money, you know, maybe forty thousand, thirty thousand after all costs. That's it. How yep. much did you sell it for? Um. I got, I got all my money back out of it, but not a whole lot either. It was more of a, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to take a different path. Break even on the way out. Yeah. You sell the equipment. You sell, sell the, the equipment, all transfer. that stuff. Yeah. Get out of the business. Yeah, the business and, and, and go back to, go back to corporate. So it was, it was humbling because I went in there thinking I, I'm, I could do this and, and just kill everybody at doing it. And then you realize real quick what you don't like because you ran every aspect of the business. And you what realize you don't know. What, what I don't like, like I don't like, I don't like marketing and, and cold calling all that well. At least back then, <clears throat> there were a lot of aspects that you didn't. I didn't do well. There lots, lots of stuff I did great and probably better than most. And there's the stuff that you don't do better than most. So it was a humbling experience as a as a mid twenties, which is which is good. I mean, it, it's it's taught me a ton about business and what you really need to work on. How did you guys get your business? Just cold calling accounts or referrals or yeah? So no, I'd call. I'd cold call. So yeah. the first one we got. 
amazingly. And um, from there, I, you know, you just cold call other other small subprime lenders. We're even, you know, some of the big ones. I tried four in GM, but they always wanted three years in a certain level. So that's that's what I was always working toward. So you're calling like used car dealerships or like credits or some some credit companies. Yeah, yeah. some of the subprime credit companies. What they call so, it, like pay. <clears throat> by here, pay here, buy here, pay here. Those yeah. rules were the those were the small. Those were your. Um, who who was that? Well, Astrovan. I think that sums it up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yes. Right. Yeah. 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 So I probably three thousand dollar car. You pay eight thousand dollars for exactly. over five years. Exactly. Yeah. I probably yeah. had you know eight or nine accounts at different places. Yeah. And but but it, you know to that too. I was working nonstop, and it's almost like I, I probably couldn't handle more if I if I got it unless I started to expand. Yeah, but if you start to expand, you know, you have to bring in, you know, all these guys yeah, who, who just know the TV it. show. There's, what, I mean, so many, so much oh, supply yeah. of drivers who just knew the TV show. There were a lot of and that's what they wanted. There. They wanted to get into a fight with somebody. Yeah. Some stupid stuff. <clears throat> yeah. So I figured I'd exit with, with the knowledge I gained and, and the stories. And move on. Move on. So, yeah. So is there any way to make your car repo proof? Are you allowed to share that information? You know, probably. Well, now cars are a lot different. So now, you know, with, with most cars have alarms, that makes it very difficult, and you can't drive any car without the key for that car now, right? Yeah, I don't know how they do it. I mean, at some point they've got us that the market back then wouldn't have been sustainable. No one would do repos unless they were just terrible. And then nowadays you've got OnStar, so you probably know where the car. Yeah, is. I mean, you could so probably just track the car. It's probably a lot different now. It's right there, these kids—they <laughs> yeah, right. got their GPS. They, they, they don't even need to repo. They just send a guy out to where the car is pinging with a key. Yeah, yeah. With a key, yeah. send him with a key. Go yeah. pick it up. The, the auto they just send you a Ford key that just probably un- undoes every Ford or something like that. They probably just unlock it when you get close to it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The doors are unlocked here. We'll, we'll do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> doors so, are unlocked. I'm five feet away. I don't know open how the, car. the industry works now. It's 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 probably it's night and day from when I did it. But if you there's, can't there's see so the VIN technology. number, you technically can't pull it, right? But a lot of people just would a anyway. A lot of people would, and you'd probably get the right car if, if you're where it's supposed to be. But I mean, If but, you grab the wrong car, you're in deep shit, but yeah, right? Yeah, there's definitely a scam out there. Where and the VIN number's in a couple different spots, right? Isn't it on, yeah. the, it's on the body? It's on the frame somewhere. It's in the engine area somewhere. So if you don't see it, I know with some of them, if we didn't see it through the, the dashboard... That's right. We would check. Other you can places. you can check. The, <laughs> there were some other spots on some cars. We could look there and you can find out. That no one knew about. So now they're probably some app. You can just like bloop, yeah. just tells you every vehicle right, where yeah. the VIN number is. Yeah, it's got a chip on the right hand side of the window. <laughs> right. So after this, you decided to go back. You were doing your square job the whole time, right, John? I was. Yes. Yeah, so you were doing this full time. I was doing it full time. Yeah. Yeah. So I like how the roles are a little reversed now. Yeah. You know, like you yeah, went so, out there. So I went back to corporate after that and, and started working at a, a company doing accounting again and you know it was it was great put that Just, repo life behind you it was yeah it was so easy <laughs> seeming and then we started getting into but the, the bug always comes back that the yeah. work for yourself bug yeah. yeah so so um i think in 2000 i forgot what year anyway i had a house in madison heights <clears throat> market tanked and 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 we were going to move and i couldn't sell it so, so ourself or John and I and a buddy of ours decided, okay, we'll we'll go in. We'll this will be our first rental because everybody wanted to do rentals. We all saw the value. It's of, like of an 08. Rentals. 
or you know, end of 07. You know, somewhere, when, somewhere in there. But what pulled you back in? Crashed. Remember, Grandpa turned you off from rental. So what kind of what kind of turned you back on to him? Right. You know, I think I think Carlton Sheets in, in college was, was yeah so, part of it. So we always saw the value of it. But when you're doing that work, you're like, oh, man, I could never do this. <laughs> yeah, our, our, our mind for probably turned in college. It, it ebbed and flowed, yeah. Yeah. So, While we're doing the work in high school, we're probably, you know, cursing. cursing <laughs> yeah, <out>. so, <laughs> so we ended up uh, kind of taking my old house because I couldn't sell it, but I, was, I wanted to move. So we decided to create this partnership, and we, this would be our first, our first rental. And I just said, okay, now we all own it thirds. We got a renter in there, and the renter was there for three or four years. Damn, so and, that's a good first rental. So, so, so it was good, and it was bad. <clears throat> we got paid every single month, but I had to chase it down every single month. And you know, I, after that, when I, I really has turned off again, <laughs> like, yeah, that was soured like on real estate. I was so like, soured oh, on it because I'm not I, doing would, this. I would chase it down every month, and I would be the I, I'm the one who took on that responsibility. So I'd chase and chase and chase and chase. We got paid every month. We never had any repairs to do. The guy didn't really he didn't really want us to come over. And we really didn't because he know. was always behind. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know the finances of it either. So the amount we were getting it wasn't like it was making a lot of money. Yeah, no. So yeah, we didn't buy this as a it's investment. Not a, we happened to say, okay, let's take this my 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 house yeah. that I can't sell as an investment. So we're basically saying, Oh, the, the rent covers the mortgage and everything. Yeah. So at, at that point that's as good as we were on doing the numbers was hey, rent covers mortgage. Yeah. And at that point, it covered mortgage plus a little bit, so it would build every month. And you know, we're we're still building. We played a lot this year, but we had to do some maintenance. So, um, yeah. So after like four years, they moved out. Oh no, we had, I, I had to evict, evict them. I took them to court. I had to take them to court. That was not fun either. And again, that's what soured me to it to it a bit as well. The eviction will always do that. Yeah, talking to the mic. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so so the eviction and you know the court was just not fun. No, and never go is. Into the, uh, it was it, so. So after that, I think that's right about when. I mean, you were getting into it too. I mean, it was it, we've always been right there. Yeah. So Scott was dealing with that one. He he soured soured on real estate again. But nobody else. I wasn't one dealing with it. So John, right, like, oh, right. This is the best. We're getting paid every month. Yeah, Scott was we're, doing all the we're work. We're building. Right? We're building this money. <laughs> Thanks, know, Scott. Great. This is you're so, doing a bang up job. It's so Scott, easy. where's my K one? It's so yeah. Where's my K one? It's so easy. And and I I took all that on myself. So so at that so this was in 08 when we started uh, around 2012. I think I probably knew that where I was working was probably not going to continue for the foreseeable future. So I had an idea that things were kind of changing there. So I started thinking, okay, well, I was I was reading a lot of just trading books because that's what I did. And I, I, one day I, I was going through podcasts and I, I stumbled across the a Bigger Pockets <clears throat> podcast. And I was listening to it and I was like, you know what? This is it. This is what I'm going to do. Because I like, you know, I enjoyed it. I liked the idea of our first one because I wasn't doing any work on it. It worked out great for me. <laughs> you should keep that model up. Scott, exactly. you just right. keep doing I, I all know. the work and yeah, send, well, him, great. Yeah. send him the money. I'll, so I was like, I'll you know what? I'm going to get back into this because if I'm going to do something, I want to do something I really like doing. And I've always liked real estate. So I, I started devouring all the books. You know, I listened to everything. I, everything I'd, I'd go to work. At that time, it was kind of like uh, work was – it was slowing down there. Everything was changing kind of. So I was, I was just reading as much as I could getting to know everything about real estate. And uh, so I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And so I went, I went to Scott. It's like, hey, Scott, let's do 
let's pick up some more rentals. And he's like, no, man. <laughs> Everybody and their brothers got rentals. Everyone every and their brothers doing this. I was very wishy-washy. Very wishy-washy. So it took me a long time to get him to come back to like, it. Like, I saw the value, but I was dealing with the, the, the crap of it. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't know. If, I mean, I, I, liked, I liked the idea. <laughs> yeah, right. I like the idea. I like the idea, but I'm not sold on it. So I was going through... So there was in 2012, I decided to that that's what I was going to do if I wasn't going to stay where I was. If something happened, I was going to, going to get taken out. So in 2013, I bought a place of my own, uh, a rental in Michigan State, a student rental. And then I was looking at another place. And that's about the time where I'm like, if John's going to do this and leave me behind, it's not going to work. Yeah, right. So okay. The competitive nature. So I'm like, okay, I'm in. And I'm talking to him like, I'm hey, in, you me- know, this is how it, we really should be doing it. This is how it really should be working. We can do it. So, so you know, I was talking to Scott, bringing him on board. I was going through it. We ended up picking up in 2014 is when we actually started. So in 2014, we bought a 10-unit or a 6-unit and a 4-unit in Commerce Township opened an LLC and that's kind of how it all started right there. And then it's kind of just gone from that. Yeah. It's been one rehab after another from that yeah. place. So how'd you, how'd you guys decide to divide up the work, right? Did you vote? Did you pull straws? Did you, how'd you decide? You know, that's one good thing about us being so close is we're not saying, Hey, you do this and I'll do this. It's more like, Hey, we know what we're doing. This is what we have to get done. We're just going to get it done. We'll make sure that, you know, one of us isn't one of us isn't going to take advantage. We'll of We'll always settle up. Yeah. yeah, so we always settle up. So, but for the most part, since I do a full time, I pretty much manage all the places. Scott's got the W two, so he offers, you know, value of I do the accounting, being able to get loans and stuff. But he does all the accounting too, so it works out really well. And if I need, you know, if there's something going on, I, I need some help. You know, he takes off all my vacation spent working. Yeah, out. <laughs> all my vacation. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And nights, weekends, yeah. Who actually manages the rehabbers that go back and forth? I pretty much do. I manage most of them, you know. But if you know if, yeah, if there's something going on, you know, Scott will take take over wherever I can't do it. I'm always involved. Yeah, I'm not there during the day most of the time, <clears throat> but I'm always involved in in some way. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, I'm always right into what's going on. So every, every right. night, John will call up. Oh, I call a couple times a day. Yeah, probably four or five times a day. And, and here's you know bed bugs. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yesterday was our first confirmed bed bug uh, case. No. And Jeremy, you're gonna love where this one is. No. Yes. Take a guess. It's one of your favorites. Wait a second. Griggs. Nope. No. It's a big, a bigger favorite. A bigger favorite. No way. Yep. Oh my now, god. I, believe, I don't. I actually. Where's my phone? Yeah, I, I need to pay the uh, the guy they're taking care yeah, of it. Right now, yeah, care of it. but um, so I we I don't think know this is something that just came in on one of the people. It's not like a infestation. They found one, and but they're fuck one, that. Well, enough. there's one. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was on their couch too. It wasn't their bed. To make myself feel better, I'm going to say this came in on on someone. It's I'm not so, I hate to break this to you, man. That is not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. So so I think they traveled like. Heavy, you it know. It certainly could be the people next door. I think so. That was where I was going to lean right off the bat. I yeah. hate to say it like so, that. So we're we're attacking it all on. You know, we've got a guy in there right now putting down the the powder. All right. It is. So on Facebook, and he has called me, so I need to actually try to pay this guy. But on Facebook, just this this all happened yesterday, by the way. On Facebook, That's creepy. You probably saw there was a guy who has who who had a a video about bed bugs, and he's got a. a a company in Pontiac, 
and it's called like No More Bites Tonight or something. So he basically comes in, he uses that uh DE, what's it called? Something Earth. I don't know. You tell me. It, it was it's some kind of uh pet diatomaceous earth or something, something like that. that. Yeah. Pet and people friendly. So yeah, you can eat Oh, okay. You can yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can eat this stuff supposedly and you know animals can eat this stuff too supposedly. I'm crossing my fingers that it's thief. It will work. But he perfect. says he comes in, he treats the whole house. You have to leave it leave the stuff there for 2 weeks. Then you can start vacuuming it up and like wiping off surfaces. But you want to keep stuff. it in all the crevices, all the baseboards, but he and, says, any, any crevice. Yeah, he says it takes it'll take care of it. And it's left in the crevices, so anything, like any eggs that are there, so this is what he says. And this is just my one day of trying to bone up on it. <laughs> <laughs> any eggs that are there, you know, once they hatch. The disclaimer. Remember the disclaimer exactly, from earlier. Exactly. Yeah. Any eggs that are there, when they hatch, you know, they'll be in the stuff and they'll, they'll, they'll die. You know, I guess it it scratches them or makes cuts in their bodies, and they just—I think it just dry dries up. them out. Mm. Silica, basically. So I'm I'm really hoping this works. Yeah. I'm not so sure. Stop it! I will all stop. No, stop it! I've just one though, right? Did, did you get just a picture? One, one. We, yeah, we saw pictures. You want to see a picture? It, no, I don't. It's Fuck certainly that. a bed bug. It oh. is. Yeah, the guy's like, uh, that's a stage four or five molting cycle. <laughs> he <laughs> knows exactly. What oh, he knew exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I told you stage four too. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I, I went online. To, I call uh, Scott. I was like EPA. I was like Scott. Uh, I've got some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when they, they so many start with I've got bad news. Rarely do you have good news. Yeah. If you hear, yeah, if you hear from like whenever I get a call from a tenant, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. And especially the tenant says. Uh, I've got some bad news. Because exactly what he said is like, uh, I've got some pretty bad news. Oh, like, shit. Don't do that. How bad is it? It was right after he paid water, so that's positive. Yeah. They love the place. The place is place is dynamite. Dude, it's a great place. I wish I could have kept it, man. That, I, you want to talk about I hate being a wholesaler sometimes? That particular unit is in a very nice area of Detroit. Right. Got it, it for a pretty good deal. And we, uh, we can go there and go to the Woodbridge Pub. You know what? Yeah. I, I'm working on, on others for you. So the the lady next door, you know, knows everybody in the neighborhood, and they have uh, neighborhood picnics for all the people who have been there forever. All those people who've been there forever are going to be leaving sometime, mm. and I'm going to pay this lady for everyone I get. Awesome. So we'll see. All right. So we'll be working on some together. Man, that's a good area. That's nice. How'd you guys decide where to start buying? So you get this new plan together, right? Hey, we're going in this. He picks up a rental. You're like, hey, I no, yeah, you're don't leave me. Come point, on, John. At that yeah. point, he was still like, everybody and his brother does this. Don't get into it. It took some time to talk to really get him on board. He's like, eh, maybe. Oh, that sounds pretty good, but he wasn't on board yet. Mm. You know, because every month I'm I'm chasing down. Yes, because he's, chasing, doing, he's no, still I, I, dealing, yeah, dealing it, with it, shit. Yeah. So why not just evict that guy? Just a victim. You know, I don't know. Did at the end. Okay, we did at the end, and every month I got the rent. And so we, we went four years without missing any rent. So that was positive. I, I, I kind of thought, and this is a bad way to think of it. But I always thought of it, okay. Guys, there for, every year they, 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 they stay there. I could either evict and miss a month, or I could get every single rent payment, just maybe a little bit late, which is not a good way to think about it. It's not you good, charge not, a late fee? I, uh, I think that I did in the end. Yeah. But it wasn't every month, no. I think in the end, they, we couldn't take into court. And charge late fees. I don't think they were accepting late fees, right? Mm. I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, but but it's a, not a good business plan. No, no. So how do you guys? So you get them on board. How do you decide? Because you have a very interesting so we, strategy. We get them on. Bo- What's that? 
Well, you talk about how you diversify and how you're oh, trying yeah, to acquire yeah. rentals and airlines. Well, that's areas. in Detroit. So yeah. yeah, in Detroit. So we so we were we do some marketing. So we picked up an Oak Park, a couple Oak Parks through marketing. What were you marketing? How were you marketing? Postcards, letters, what? Uh, it was just yellow letters. Yellow letters, okay. Not owner occupied, high equity stuff. So we pick up a couple that way. And at that point, we're just, you know, anything that's a good deal. And this was still like 2014. You can still pick up some pretty good stuff. And we're both still working. And we're both still working. So anything that was a good deal would say, okay, you know, if, if this works, we'll just, we'll buy it. Where'd you, how did you decide to, where to mail? How did we, it was probably all, all of Oakland County. Okay. Yeah. So you just picked all Oakland County? We were figuring it out. Or, or <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah. Story maybe, of my life. Maybe yeah. it wasn't northern there wasn't Oakland a County. Real strategy, I think that we had. <laughs> it, was, it was more of a let's let's try this. That's yeah, a Jeremy a lot approach. Of it's just trying to figure it out as we go. But we didn't want to not do anything. We we're like, hey, we'll just try this and we'll we'll figure it out. As and we it go. worked out well. It worked out well. Yeah. yeah. So at that point, we're just picking up. Uh, we had a couple of parks. Soon after that, I think we we met you at an RDI meeting yeah. when they were in Corktown. Oh. And. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's back in the day. So we were talking was, to you, and you were saying how great Detroit was. And that point, we probably weren't we weren't interested in Detroit at all. But but after there was a, a couple of meetings, we're like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And then you were marketing the you know the Griggs. But there were a few Griggs things property. going on, and Detroit was starting to, to starting become to percolate. A, yeah, yeah. There was there were things happening in Detroit. So and it was the price was right, Detroit. Yeah, the price was right. <laughs> price was right for sure. Plus, this I think the architecture and. And the the home, some of the homes in Detroit are you, you can't find that stuff anywhere else, and I love that stuff. So I will I will gravitate to some of those brick places like the the first the first Griggs. I thought that was great, dude. That's a great Griggs. And, and for for a, the price, I mean, and, and the rents you can get in Detroit, you're, you're gonna have some time. you're gonna have some bad stuff, but you can have some really good ones too. Well, that's yeah. just that's just life. So yeah. you guys are doing you guys doing flips or are you just doing all buy and hold. It was all buy and hold. So, well, I was working. So, I was working until uh, the very end of 2014. So, I kind of really just started in 2015 doing my flips. But until then, it was all just buy and hold. So, we'd get them. They'd all need work. Yeah, they all needed work. So, was, we'd kind of do a rehab on it and then get it rented. Walk me through it. So, you buy with your cash, right? We buy with cash. We'd rehab it. So, this is cash you saved, or you, was it private money or credit cards? So cash we saved, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, we'd buy it, we'd rehab it. Um, and then we get it rented. We, you know, the, the, our whole thing is buy it, rehab it, rent it, and then get it refinanced, and then use that money. So, in two, like in, in, I think in April of 2014, we bought the this 10 unit basically, and that really that you was, know, we were able to buy that one really we got cheap. Lucky, yeah. That was that was one where it was on the market for it was on the MLS for over a year, and they were only they would only show you like two units or three units, and those three units had not been rented for. Years and it was like it yeah. was like think of, a, think of a bad industrial park in Detroit. It looked like that. The ceilings they, are coming down. It's all plaster. I mean, everything is everything. We walk in is just bad. It, it, you, it would have to be torn, almost torn all out. Yeah. So and those the, are the only ones they showed. So banks wouldn't lend. So you have to pay cash. But no one was paying cash. And now we were watching it. And I think you, Scott, was watching it. He's like, "Hey, uh, that place in uh, in Wolverine Lake that just that just went like owner financing." So we immediately put in an offer. They were going to own a fight because we, you couldn't get a loan on it. We didn't have that much money. So we yeah. uh, put an offer in and got it got it under contract. Went to go look at it, and all the other units Perfect. were awesome. Well, they, they weren't awesome, but they were 
they weren't they were nice. in bad shape, they were and nice. they were all rented. I, I was the one who did the walkthrough. Yeah, yeah. And I walked into the first couple, and I can't. Yeah. He's like, he's, I don't even need to look anymore. Just show he's me calling me. He's one. like, he's like, John, these are all pretty good. Because <laughs> <laughs> they I don't saw, look anything like the others. The other, the first two were unlivable. The rest of them were all really nice. They were all they overlooked a lake. I mean, they were they were great. I would want to live there. Mm. I walked I walked out thinking, okay, I would I would. I was there to today. Here. Every time I'm there, I'm like, hey, it's nice here. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, so we we lucked out. So the few that we had to kind of rehab and get back up, they weren't that bad. Well, I mean, they were. No, those it, are the way to rehab. It were. took quite a bit. It, they were pretty bad. It took us about a year to rehab those, but we ended up refinancing that property. We were able to take a lot of equity out, and that's what we were able to buy a lot of the other stuff with. So we end up. So that's the re- reproducible model. You got this one on the land contract, one. built up some equity, bought it below value, fixed it up. Refied and now you got your cash back and you're dangerous again. We got a lot of cash back. Yeah. That that was a a catalyst for. Then we got with you, we got the first Griggs property. And then from spending time in Detroit with that one, we got around, kind of fell in love a little bit with the Detroit stuff. And then we've been trying to pick up there. We have a lot of Detroit. We only have six Detroit properties. But I think what you were asking before, our strategy in Detroit is we don't know what's going to happen in Detroit. (laughs) So we're just going to try to pick up. Right. We're going to try to pick up to diversify a little bit our way of diversification and risk risk controls. Pick up a couple in this neighborhood, something here, something there, something there, something in all the better neighborhoods. But so, only in places that I would want to live. So so the, the Griggs area, I think the architecture there is great, but that's not a bad area. No. The bridge is awesome. We have one in one bad area that, that's not so great, but that was just a – Impulse by well, I remember you guys got that one so cheap. I was like, well, shit. Even if that goes completely wrong, yeah, whatever. The first one, well, yeah. the second Griggs we got from you was even cheaper. Yeah, that was right? a good one. Yeah, the first one they've been paying rent the entire time. Dude, that was a motherfucker to close too. That one went sideways six ways from Sunday. I was dealing with these ass clowns <laughs> out of Chicago, man. Wasn't uh, the first w- one? wasn't someone stealing? Weren't people stealing stuff when they were stashing it oh. in that house? Yeah, yeah. dude, that was like All while this deal is going on, they're using it as like a stash <laughs> house for stolen shit. That was an eye opener because we'd go in there and all the door every locks time we're would there ground out perfectly, so you just pop it out. That's where I realized you know people are in this house every single night. Yep. Yeah. Every and, time we and, went to go see it, someone had broken it the night and, before. And, and that's how Detroit <laughs> is. People will break in effortlessly. So what we're talking about, folks, are there are people that go and break into other people's houses and steal furnaces or shit, mostly metal, and they'll go stash it in this house till they have enough to then go and sell. So that, that's what he's talking about, right? So they're just like using it like kind of like where you had lots for your repo cars. These are bad people. Yeah, right. Yeah. They go steal shit and they use yeah. this vacant house. That was as, their storage facility. Yeah, it's their storage facility. So, so or they um, used to go there and sleep. <clears throat> so we picked. So we would pick up. Well, I don't know how many we picked up before. Before I started full time, but we picked up a few. So we're busy with rehabs on that. I ended up leaving. Well, I was pushed out of my job. I, I didn't leave it. <laughs> I was pushed out of that, and then I started doing flips full time too. So I was doing flips in like Ferndale and you know the suburbs, nicer areas. And then we continued picking up stuff uh, for our portfolio. And how were you still finding your deals? You still yellow letters, direct mail, a little bit of that, and a little bit of and wholesaling. Okay, for the most part, uh, yeah, wholesaling. So from other wholesalers, right? Yeah, there was one guy out of California. We got. um, Don't play with the mic. That's all right. There was one guy out of California. We got a a cheaper house out of, and it's it's actually a really nice house. Is that Haverhill? Haverhill, yeah. So one there and. Sure about the rest. Mm. Well, it oh. wasn't through Arnie. It was, it was through, so it was through wholesalers. wholesalers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was basically through 
like RDI contacts. Yeah, so basically networking. You go yeah, to meetings. Yeah, networking. Yeah, network with wholesalers. Get on their lists, right? Exactly. Networking you guys were easy to work with. That's how you move up on the wholesaler list, too, by the way. Everybody's wearing right. Be easy to work with and always do what you say you're going to do. Make be sure honest. You close. Yeah. Well, and you guys are always honest, too. So if you're having doubts, you're, you know, you're, like you always know where you're at. Well, I hate that when you get played. You know, like, uh, yeah, no, we're good. And then, oh, you're right at the end, you just get hamstrung, you know? I'm pretty sure I talked to you, Jeremy, a lot before the first Detroit one. Oh, yeah. I, I think you had to hold my head for yeah, a, it was good questions. <laughs> for though. a good amount of time there. Yeah. But it they, worked out well. So they weren't bad questions. Yeah. And yeah. you were very honest about it. So. I probably didn't know what the hell I was doing at that point. I was like, oh, what, what's this Detroit Well, Detroit's stuff? a whole different animal. Yeah, it is. It's pretty it's, tough. I like it, though. I really like Detroit. Well, that was a pretty damn good deal. Plus, I wasn't going to put you guys in a shit neighborhood. That's one thing I don't like. Some wholesalers will sell anybody anything. Yes, they will. And you, if you're doing that, that's not you're not exactly doing your buyers. If you want repeat buyers anyway, which I do, yeah, right. <laughs> it means they got to stay in business. Yep. So now, they can buy more shit. Now we know the good the good neighborhoods. We've been down in Detroit a lot now. Yeah. But that, I, I I focus on Detroit. I think it's great. Yeah, we bought uh in the in the auction. Oh uh, yeah. And through that we spent a lot of time going through Detroit. Yeah. Just going through the neighborhoods. And that's how you really learn. Hundred just, houses. Yeah, we'd would spend days down there just looking at neighborhoods and figuring stuff out. Trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, I don't miss that. I did three auctions. It just consumes your life for weeks. It does. It does. Oh but my it's gosh, exciting. it does. It's exciting. Yeah, I almost want to go in and try to break, not break into them, but I want to go inside and see what they're like. So you can, you never know. You can just see the shell and it looks fantastic, but inside it could be just a raccoon city. But in the auction, you know, they go for more than they go on the MLS. It's sometimes. crazy. Yeah, it's it is. People get caught up in that mentality of wanting to win. Well, somebody's in Abu Dhabi, you know, click, 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 you know, <laughs> yes. and now it's all online too. So it's a worldwide market. Yep. I hard. remember watching it. You would just tick up. Yeah. Some that we really wanted were like, what the hell? Yeah. How are they paying this much money for this thing? West Village, that one went for, well, there was one that we really wanted down in West Village and that went for and it, double what we thought. And it was the falling top down. Be. Yeah. It, it wasn't good. The back of the house was, had some serious issues. <laughs> More than that. Mm-hmm. But I was willing to do more it. More than serious. <laughs> You're going to do it anyway? At a certain price. Somebody yeah. wanted it for a lot more. So I think that one went for like 150 grand. It went, yeah. It went for double. And and the, te- the the lady who lived there she was, wasn't leaving. She was not leaving. She was, you know, she was, we, I, we went to just go walk by. She came out to address us. She wasn't, not, she wasn't happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So whoever got that, they're going to have to get her out. And that was going to be, that was not going to go well. Mm be pretty tough yeah they they know that right around the time well you could just pay your taxes lady hey i'm just throwing it out there <laughs> i know right i'm not a, i'm not exactly a fan of property taxes but if you know how it works you know <laughs> she doesn't want to hear that yeah pay them Dude, you know hear, yeah yeah i'm gonna stay in these house forever so didn't you do a f- big flip and boston edison before it was cool to do it one. that was a ballsy was, move it was cool to do it when i was doing it no, you were at the you were at the leading edge. That was some ballsy Pioneer, shit. John. You yeah. were, yeah. It worked out, you know. Yeah, I I bought it on the MLS, and uh, it worked out well. The, the people who bought it were I talked to them the other day. They're great tenants. They're, you know, young couple. They worked for Quick, and I believe. But um, so I've got another one doing in Boston Edison right now too. Really, oh, what a cool area, Boston Edison. That is an awesome yeah, area. The houses are amazing down there. Grand, cool so, area. Yeah, houses. I've got streets. one in Chicago that I, I picked up at the very end of the year. And it was inside job for sure right when I bought it. Somebody broke in and stole the boiler. Yeah. Like a 400-pound boiler. Some, some Yeah, it's a huge boiler. So I'm having a hard time finding another one. And I can't get work going until I get heat in there. 
That is a bitch. Dad. It is. It so it's been, it's been, I need to try to email the lady I'm trying to buy a boiler from too. But so, so it's definitely in Detroit, as you know, you know, it's tough because you have to guard against what you have, but it's hard to do that because people are willing to do anything to break in, to steal if they're anything of value. So it's just, it's not an easy, it's not an easy market, but a lot of people are looking in Detroit. A lot of people want to be there. If you're in the really nice neighborhoods, you know, there's a lot of demand down there. Mm, there are. There's well, especially anything over two thousand square feet. I don't know if people have been paying attention. Anything over two thousand square feet, pretty much across the board in Detroit, if it looks even halfway decent. I was just looking in my neighborhood, which is not exactly the best neighborhood, and I was very surprised oh, yeah. at what some stuff was going for. Yeah, there's one literally, well, I think it's one of the Ford houses, like throw a rock at. And hit it. I live so close. Went for uh, two twenty five. Really? Could nice. not fucking believe it. <laughs> was it was Good it news. fixed up? Oh yeah. Well, it, but it, it was left. It was. I think it was supposedly, allegedly, um, Ford. One of Ford's country houses or whatever. I don't know. It was on. It was on curb Detroit. Oh, and nice. I went look. Yeah, it sold for sold for two twenty. So anything above two thousand square feet is, is. Hey man, it's moving, and it's getting bid up. Be careful though. When you're looking at comps, make sure you look at square footage. I've met many a sad person. You're like, I'm going to make all. I'm like, no, no, dude, look, 1,100 square feet, yep. 1,800 square feet. Yeah, you, be careful. Slow down. Per square foot it really matters. Yeah, it really does. So you got to make sure you're checking in the market on where it's at. Um, let's talk a little bit about where you guys are working towards, right? Do you have some goals? What What is the plan? What so, is the Wilcox bro plan? The plan is to keep like the ultimate plan are just, you know, have enough rentals where that supports you and you can do all the other stuff just for fun. Yeah. You know, I like I like doing the flipping, searching for houses, finding houses, looking at houses. I think all that's a lot of fun. So even working with the, the tenants. Like I've got some tenants now who I enjoy to go over and, and they'll talk for an hour and I think it's great. I, for some reason, I don't know why I really, I really enjoy that. You're a people person. Yeah. I love right. you. So <laughs> yeah, the, the whole plan is just to grow the, the rental portfolio. You know, there's no real, no real set number to it, but just to the point where we, you know, we any plans on you quitting your job, Scott? Is there, is there a number you got to hit or? Right you know, now, maybe. I need his W two. So yeah, right. yeah no, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know, down the line, probably yeah. Okay. Uh, right now, it, it works out great. How it how it works, how it how it how it works right now. I know you guys, uh, and I gotta fish this out of you. I happen to have some background information. Didn't you guys like actually start borrowing a little bit of private money too? Like you weren't just using all your own money. Yeah, so yeah. I was using my own capital first. But if I'm using my own, I can only do. A couple a year, two yeah. or three a year, because it takes time to do that. So yeah, so I'm I, you know, since I'm doing it full time and it's my income, you know, I need to scale up a little bit. So yeah, I started using some private money. I've used a used a uh, uh, you know just a couple of private money people. So I'm starting to do that more. That's when that's what I'm going to do going forward because I don't want to spend all my money and then I don't have anything left in my account and I start getting the sleepless nights. So I'd rather yeah. borrow it, have enough in mind so I can cover something if it goes bad. Just, um, but just, that's how I'm going to scale up a little just bit. Just pay the debt service. Just pay the yeah. debt service, yeah. yeah so I, I'm kind doing. of learning as I go as well and how I want to do it. But, uh, yeah, so private money is, is going is to be the way yeah, I go so going forward. All kind of an evolution. You, you learn so much on every single one. 
you think you know, and then you, you realize you don't. Yeah, because I'm fairly risk averse. So I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to use my own money on all these things and go that way. But you see deals come up, you want to do them, you're like, yeah. I can't do that. You don't <laughs> have the money. money. So, so many times something comes up and it would be a good one to grab. But at the same time, it's like oh, there's opportunity costs there and there's other stuff going on. Yeah, it's hard to decide sometimes. Didn't you guys just wrap up a huge Royal Oak one too? Because I was in that one, and that shit was taken down to the studs. That was sweet. That one worked out. Yeah, yeah. that was not. Yeah, that was that was from another wholesaler, another local wholesaler. So yeah, that's a that's a sweet place. We close uh, close this week. All of them mm. turned out really well. All the flips turned out have turned out great. Yep. No really mistakes, good. John. What's that? Any big flip mistakes yet? <laughs> no, the, the list is endless. That, no, <laughs> well, no big mistakes. The contractors are the worst ones. Oh I mean, my gosh. I've worked with a number of contractors who have stolen, stolen money. You know, Not stop they, it they, seems. You, I'm learning that way too. So you, you, I'll, you'll pay for something, or they'll do something, and I'll pay them for it. But they're not. They're almost somewhere not done. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. So come on, man. So the good contractors you pay for, and when you try to go cheap, it's cheap for a reason. As with anything. So that, yeah. As with if anything. You cheap out. That's what you're going to get. So we work with some who are really good, but they're more expensive. And then we work. We've worked with some that. <laughs> we're on the cheaper side. We thought, no, this is we're gonna, you know, this is a great, be a great, great deal. Next thing you know, have. you're you're paying double because you've got to get someone else to do it now. Not that we we shell out the cash ahead of time, but you know, stuff just goes bad. Stuff isn't done correctly. You know, they they don't do what they say they're going to do. Contractors, that's by far the the hardest part of all of this that I found. I don't miss it. Walk me through how you guys are protecting yourself from contractors because this happens all the well, time. I know from, I got stolen from from learning all the time. Yeah. Now yeah. it's more show me your work. You know, you, you can say, hey, let me let me talk to some people who you've done work with before, but that's going to be their brother or something if they're a shady contractor. So yeah. now it's more like, hey, show me something you're doing right now. And you always want to get get it going right away. You want to get the job started. They can start tomorrow, <laughs> which is probably a bad sign. Yeah, if they can start right away, like that day, <clears throat> they have too much time. They're not, they're probably not doing yeah. a good job. So yeah, it's mostly it's mostly just show me what you got going on right now. Yeah. And from now on though, it's so when we get a contractor, we're not gonna pay them until if they don't have enough money on their own to start a project, there's no more paying a little bit up front or something to get started. So, so it's, you don't pay anything to get started. From now on, we're not I don't think we're going to. From now on, what we're gonna do is, you know, here's here's the here's the phases. If it's a when brand you're done with, new person. When you're done with phase one, we'll pay you for phase one when everything is checked off and we've we've inspected it. And then you keep on going and, and then maybe once that something is very established, then we could we could do a different deal. But from now on with any new contractors, it's you get paid for what you've done once it's done the way you said it's going to be. Or or we need to see that you, know, you do good work. We need to talk to people you're working with right now, and we have to have some confidence that that you're. Yeah, see, I'm much more, much more hard. See, but this, but Scott doesn't have to deal. I'm out of the. Re- I'm out of the reality. So Scott can say this, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to work out the deal. Yeah. The contractor who's going to accept just working without anything up front, and that's not. Yeah. Do I mean, you buy any materials, or just don't give we'll, them any cash? Or yeah, we'll, no, we'd rather buy materials for yeah. sure. If we when we we bought materials, and we know the contractor went. Stole those materials and sold them right back to Home Depot for like a credit. We know that's happened. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's just you know, it's contractors yeah. are done. and that can be hard line. In the end, I defer to whatever John thinks is John's out in the field during the day. So in the end, whatever, I'm the boss. whatever, whatever he says, I'll, I'll back up. And if it goes if it goes sideways, and it goes sideways, and there's nothing we can do about it. That's right. Yeah. So I've, I've completely- so you don't write anything in your contract, or or, or do you check better, better Business Bureau, or we'll try all that. Yeah. I have, but 
with the people who have burned us, I haven't found anything on them. Mm. So now I know probably don't go to Craigslist looking for people. <laughs> no, I know that. Yeah. Is anybody I know? I don't think so. Okay, we'll talk afterwards. That's not, not an outie podcast. There should podcast. be a bad contractor list out there. That well, we there can should all be. Reference. Yeah. Well, they, they, and, uh, I know someone started I don't, a bad. I don't know if that'd be illegal or not. They started a bad tenant. Well, some of them were going to start a bad tenant page on Facebook, but then a lot of people said, "Hey, you, you can't do this." Yeah, I wonder so. why. Yeah, everybody trying to protect the fucking losers. I never figured that one yeah, out, right? right? If you badmouth someone, they can come and say, "Hey, you're." Yeah, hurting my business. This whole country's run on people who fucking work and make money, and they're, everybody's trying to protect the people who steal money right, and don't right. work. Go figure that one. And then they're like, oh, I want more shit. It's not a great business model. All right. Next section we're talking about. This is where books, podcasts, like you mentioned, the bigger pockets, podcasts, the podcast that shall not be named. That's okay. We'll talk about them. Any books, anything that uh, you think has helped out and or the other side, because I have some people like, don't do this. Don't buy X. Don't read X. Anything you recommend, habits, routines, patterns. You know, I don't think there's anything bad that you could read. I think it's all, you can take something from everything. I know there was a book, it wasn't related to real estate at all. It was actually really, it, in work they wanted us to read it, but it was called Red Ocean, Blue Ocean or something like that. And it was all about, you know, you can be in these different areas of business, but if you're in the Red Ocean, it's like blood in the water, sharks, everyone's there. Everyone's killing each other to make money. You want to get into the other kind of blue oceans where nobody else is around. It's it's nice and tranquil, and you can make <laughs> some money. It's kind of like kind of like Detroit. Like there's not a whole lot of people down in Detroit. There's I mean there's certainly a lot of people in Detroit, but not like up in the suburbs. So it's almost like a more blue ocean feel down there. Where if you get into Royal Oak, there's you know it's just red everywhere. A bit of a contrarian, contrarian view. Yeah. So I I mean I I really like that that book as far as how to look at. I think that where, book where is you want Blue Ocean Strategy, I think. I just remember it's Blue Ocean, Red Ocean. It could be Blue Ocean Strategy. That's all right. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, what else? Correct me. Yep. I would always, when I was a trader, I would always listen to, I listened to, I listened to books on tape, but uh, there, there was a series of books called Market Wizards, and they would go through all these really successful traders who were trading their own money. So it was all about risk you know, how to control risk. So that's kind of, you know, I'm a little risk averse myself. So I always took something from that. So they're, you know, they're trading that have all these different procedures in all on not to get killed. Cause if you get killed, you know, you can't do it anymore. So it's all about saving yourself risk controls. And that's why we kind of do with some stuff in Detroit, but in general for our portfolio, we're just trying to diversify as much as we can, as much as you can with, with real estate. But um, yeah, Detroit Market the, Wizards was was pretty good. Yeah, all about risk for the most part. Can you give me some practical application for managing risk? Because it's one thing to say you're at risk adverse and then diversify, but that's not very specific, John. Well, risk adverse as in I'm not going to go buy a bunch of like Detroit properties for yes. five thousand bucks. <clears throat> so you can, there, you, I, I would rather pay more for a good area. Yeah, there's so, a big draw for a real cheap house. It's a seemingly nice house in a neighborhood that's not as not so desirable. Right. So that would be, I mean, we have kind of a, a criteria where if in Detroit, we'll only buy if it's really nice, we would want to live in that neighborhood and the price is right. There's a lot of demand. And there's, there's some reason for people to want to go there. So there's a lot of neighborhoods where, you know, it's, it's the price is right. The, the, the house is <laughs> nice, but there's no reason for people wanting to be there, wanting to live there. Can you give me a good reason for somebody wanting to live there? I'm just curious what, what your reasons are. 
like the places we would want to go if there's if it's an up and coming part of Detroit, it's close to the Woodward Corridor. If it's if a it's, really nice area like uh, Rosedale Park or something where they yeah. kept the neighborhood yeah, together it, for a long time, well, you know, through the whole downturn in Detroit, you know, a place like that where it's just a nice area where people live, the blocks are full, people are out walking around, people are out, yeah. That's where we want to invest, as opposed to a street where there's like half blight and there's like there's tr- houses that are abandoned and burned down or something like that. So like so we picked one up over on the on the east side, and it's it, you know it's, so the price was right. It's a nice, really nice house, but there's no reason for yeah, people wanting to be strategy. there. We broke strategy. We broke strategy, and, and, and it turned out okay. We've got a renter in there, and it's a really nice. It's house. a very nice house. It's a really really nice house. But I but yeah, I want to put up the stra- the the criteria, and, and if we shouldn't have bought that one, really the money would be have. best used somewhere else. Yeah, next in, in to a better it area is abandoned next yeah. to the house next to it. And then the whole block it has some blighted Blight. housing and some just empty it's, lots. It's very close to uh, Mac. It's right on Mac. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's right on Mac. So that was okay. It's close to Mac, and it's there's a block off potentially Mac. some it's walkability a block there. Gross point. It's, but, it's a nice area, but that's that's on the. What I'm trying to say is that you know we want to get to places where we would want to be. That's not one of them. So that should have not been purchased. Right. But we did anyway. Slip through. <laughs> the price was right. I, I think the price was too right, and we had to move quickly, so we had to. I think we made a bad decision. Anyway, we're just working out fine. We've got ten in there. It's it's fine. Do you one of you guys have veto power? Or, I mean, you can't vote, or just nope. you both have to agree, or you don't do the deal. You no, know I think uh, we both agree for the most part. Yeah. If I really want to do something and Scott doesn't, and I can't talk him into it, you might then, just do it anyway. Then we, uh, we probably won't do it because because I'm using his money too. <laughs> so. I think I think in the end though we I trust I trust any decision you make even if I don't like it or if I don't think it's right if you do and we decide to go in that direction then I'll I'll back that decision no matter what to so the, the so end. I trust what John what John does even if I don't think it's correct how do you guys handle conflict resolution shit comes up in business all the time right fight to the death <laughs> you're still here though <laughs> you're not doing it right <laughs> you know what I don't know how you know, we don't really have. We ha- we haven't had a lot of you know conflicting ideas or any problems that we haven't had to that we haven't had a good solution for. I think if stuff comes up though, but that it, goes it, back to it the, is it is what it is. It goes back to the whole twin thing. We know was, each other really well, and we can say anything to each other. Like if you have a business partner, you might want. You know, I know uh, I've called this guy a couple I get, times. I get some pretty nasty stuff. Said really, up, really upset, and I'm just venting. But I can call and vent to him, and he's not going to be upset about it. So he knows, you know, he gets it. So we can, we, you know, it, we, it's a different level with, with if, you, if you're in business, business with someone who you're so close with. Mm. But I think at the same time, if stuff happens, we're both of the mindset that a decision was made and, and there's nothing you do about it now but learn and right. just go forward. And take there's, care of it. There's really no fault. There's no fault. You just move forward. It sounds like you're both pretty accountable, too. I don't see this working, though, if somebody's not accountable, right? No, nah, it's always your fault, you know? No, yeah. Yeah, not going to work. We're both accountable. So no fisticuffs? No, You no, get no. the first shot, I get the second shot? Never. Not since we're teenagers. Yeah. He, he makes sure he says all the bad things when he's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so do I. I call that smart. Yeah. Yeah, a Strat- phone warrior. Strategy. Yeah. Is there anything you guys want to talk about that we haven't talked about? Could be anything. I don't know. Where mm-hmm. do you think Detroit's going? That's a good question. Well, obviously, anything above 2,000 square feet is going. There is a huge push of home buyers, and they're all from businesses downtown, every single one of them. 
that's one thing working on the daily team and seeing the retail side of shit and seeing all the buyers coming through. Obviously, we get a ton of leads from Quicken. So we're very quick and centric, but it's all those people downtown showing $300,000, $400,000 houses in Detroit, Boston, Edison, on Boston Boulevard. People, yeah. single, single people are looking to buy these houses. It's kind of crazy. So anything over 2,000 feet and anything that is in, that's close, like you can, if you can walk to school or walk to work. Mm-hmm. Walkability is yeah, huge. Is, is something you know, huge. I often wonder if they're buying to because they're trying to catch upside and just to buy it or if actually i mean a lot of people i know are living are moving in and living there well we have the flip side too are are just buying it to say okay i'm gonna buy this house it's probably way too much but i think it's gonna go way up well i won't say names but detroit a street in detroit on ohio street very nice house that we didn't sell to them but we sold for them on the retail listing side gay dude Loved the house, loved, thought he loved the area, moved in, rehabbed the fuck out of it. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it turns out <clears throat> that neighborhood hadn't particularly uh, come up yet, and he did not like it. I'll say, I'll say it like <laughs> that. It did not go well for him. He ended up selling for a loss a year oh, and a half man. later. Was that north of Six Mile? Yeah. Oh, I'm talking fucking gorgeous house. This guy, they're they're all nice some, in there. All he the gated state, up like 100%. He stuff. did everything to that house. When you look through the pictures, like this should be what this guy does. So did you guys sell the house too for him? We did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go look up the <laughs> pictures on that one. one. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the, I'll, I'll show you. Actually, you can probably go look, just go look on Ohio and see which one sold for $98,000. <laughs> there you, you know, go. 98 all done up, huh? Oh my God. He lost so he much money lost on this. Lot, yeah. He lost a shit ton of money. Yeah. But you walk through those, like, especially the, the, the States right there, Ohio and Kentucky and all those there. I love the houses there. I just sold one on Mendota, 18,000 block, 72,000. I don't even know how it appraised. I don't know how that appraised either. I don't know how it appraised. You look at... How big was it? We should list Griggs. (laughs) 1,100 square feet. I don't think you said over over two. Nope. 1,100. I was was telling my seller, like, let's list at 80 and pray and... I don't know how we're going to do this. We're going to have appraisal issues. We're going to, because he's the first one to do a flip within a oh, half mile. A too, huh? This is a flip. He bought it at the, he bought it at the, uh, the Wayne County auction. Okay. All right. So yeah, foreclosure auction. Hey, did bought you have it. an issue with title? Uh, not from the Wayne, not, no, not on this no. one. No. All right. At least not yet. Jesus, it's closing in a couple of weeks. So I hope <laughs> well, yeah. Isn't uh, like when, when Wayne County does them, you know, a lot of the title companies won't insure because they they don't want to insure that Wayne County did it did it the correct way. That they notified all the correct parties. I know the tax auction; they don't like it, but for the foreclosure oh, yeah, auction, a, no, sorry. Yeah. yeah, ours was a yeah. tax. Yeah, yeah this is for the yeah. foreclosure auction. It's every week sorry, you go yeah. down. Yeah, he bought it and just knocked the place out. I mean, he finished the basement like <laughs> nice finish. I'm like, what are you doing? Seventy two went. I don't know how they hit the number. This was from Quicken Loans too. So, so you think it's just because it's a nice place? Like, there's so many yes. rough spots. They're yes. all outdated. If you have a nice one, it's gone. There's yes. demand for it. Here's what's here's what's disappearing because I actually had to find houses for other clients too. Which, by the way, the retail side sucks. It's not any fun whatsoever. <laughs> you know, compared to the investor side, it was like. Hey, Joe gives me shit all the time. Like, yeah, it's like trying to do both sides of the transaction all the time. Yeah, one's actually fun and you make fucking money at it too, you know? Like right. anyway, so it's completely it's completely rehabbed top to bottom. 
just gorgeous, but it's 1,100 square feet, and you start looking for comps. Mm-mm. And the only thing I can think of was they couldn't find anything rehabbed. So they pushed further, and Ohio happened to be one of those comps where I was like, you know, we did just sell this over here within the last 90 days. I, close right? enough. I was like, man, you know what? We're going to be stretching. We're going to be stretching. I don't know how it's going to happen, all that. And it went. And that's what I think is going to happen in Detroit. So it all started, in my opinion, with University District. Yep, mm-hmm. definitely. Right, which is, for, for those listening is like six to seven mile and Livernoy, but east really up nice. until the cemetery, right? Like literally four or five years ago, you're buying at 40, 50,000. Uh, uh, imagine that. Course. Yeah, Jeez. crazy. I turned away multiple $60,000. You, oh, trust Those are me. Big houses Dating, too. So. Oh, oh, you want to talk about you regret? Can't, you can't look backwards. I don't even want to tell you what I passed on Woodbridge, let alone condos downtown selling for 400 fucking bucks a square foot now, right? We're talking 2009 and 10, right? At the bottom, Sweet. the bottom, bottom. Sorry, Jeremy. I know. I cry myself to sleep at night sometimes <laughs> thinking about this shit. I thought I took advantage of everything too. No, no, I didn't. Anyway, everything above 2,000 square feet in halfway decent neighborhoods. Here's the catch. Can you modernize the floor plan? That's the tough part, yeah. So not only do you have to finish it to a high level, so we're talking granite. Now, not super high like Royal Oak, but... Entry-level granite. Oak Park. You know, like you need to do a nice flip. You need to do a nice flip. And some parts of Detroit now, you have to do a Royal Oak flip. Like University District. You start looking at shit. You're looking at a doing that kind of level but so can you fully update it can you buy at the right price can you fully update and can you modernize the layout which means generally opening up the kitchen Mm -hmm. to the living room and dining room and not every house is like that so you do have to go one by one and look and those old houses you know the kitchens are small in the back yes you know they're not they don't really lend themselves to doing a lot of that yeah you got to be careful what you're buying um you definitely want three bedrooms and two bathrooms that being said, if you do that, those are getting snatched up and those are getting bit up. Um, another guy in our office, Reggie, uh, sold one for one hundred and fifteen thousand on San Juan. How? 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 Yeah, yeah, Eighteen hundred fifty you square know what? feet. They're sweet houses. They are. They are sweet. Any house got curb done up. Curb appeal. Like everyone you see that gets bit up, like Mendota got bit up both times. Really? You would never yeah. think it. See, I, I love. I love to hear these stories. I love yeah. Pomania, not for Mendota. But I, I mean, love, the, I love to hear off, that because yeah. there's too, so too much to do down there. Awesome. So now, for me, looking from just doing it, it looks like it's pent up buyers. A lot of them are working downtown. They've come in the last three or four years. Young people. Are. They don't want to live in the suburbs anymore. They want to live closer. They want a cool house and they can't afford to buy the kind of house you can buy there. But they want a modern layout and floor plan for the most right. part you know, and upgraded if i didn't have kids i'd want to go downtown yeah so would i i'd love it but you've got to be you i would think you know a lot of the upcoming spots along like the queue line or, or along with whole woodward corridor a lot of those it's still really blighted like north yeah. end area Even it's still f- really blighted but you know it's you know it's, it's gonna happen. yeah at some point it'll be there it's yeah we just had jan i just had jan dykers on she sells a shit ton through there she sold one for 130 got bit up Right there in the north end, not another fucking comp anywhere near it. This woman is magic. There's another one for 129 that that, that I was just looking at for for a friend of mine who wants to move out there. It looks really nice too, and it's got to go. And it's right, you know, it's kind of it's even farther. It's not even in the north end. It's more 
Mayo Milwaukee Junction toward Grand, mm. where they have all those farms, which I'm sure you're pretty happy about. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, it's, that's mean, not a good area. <laughs> no, <laughs> wherever you have farms means that is you guaranteed blight. It's not as bad as it used to be. They tore a lot of the houses down. Yeah. But yeah, but it's an area where a lot of people want to be. We'll see. But I was talking to a buddy of mine today, and he you know he he's worked downtown Detroit for ever. His family's got a business down there. And he's like, every time I talk to him, he's like, Detroit, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because they've seen it so many times. They've been down there forever. He was saying, which I agree with, nothing is going to really take hold until fire and police are, are solid and they can actually do what they're supposed to do. I don't, I don't think that's true. You don't think so? No. Right. I think it's like religion. People believe it, whether it's true or not. They just do it. They're committed to it. They, they like, they want to live. They want to be in these big houses. They want, and price per square foot, you're still getting great deals. And you can't buy those houses in the yeah. burbs. So you're yeah. talking about 60, 70 bucks a square foot for completely finished, maybe 75. Yeah. You can't even build at 100 bucks a square foot at that kind of finish. But my prediction is we're looking at maybe another year of that. And then start going to they're going to all that inventory is going to be eaten up for the most part, and then it's going to start getting pushed down to sixteen hundred square feet, fourteen hundred square feet, and that's if you're I and nobody knows. So full disclaimer, I don't fucking know. Nobody <laughs> knows what's going to happen. Come on, you, but if you we're do know. Come but on. if we're betting, I'm betting the next three years, you're going to see eighty to one hundred fifty thousand dollar flips in Detroit again, and it's going to keep getting pushed down until it's at the 1200 square foot it's already seventy-two thousand for mendota for yeah. 1100 square uh, feet three bedroom one bath and there's a bit of scarcity there because there aren't there we didn't even no, paint the fucking garage there were no other houses in that whole area like that not one so not you know that, that's more like okay there's a couple people who want a house people who want a house that's the only one they could choose from they go for it yeah so you know i'm more i'm more near camp i think I think you'll get people who move in. You'll get critical mass where it's going to, you know, there'll be enough revenue for the city, hopefully, where they can start bolstering some of those. Mm. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll I'm see. I'm hoping for it because I love Detroit. I love being I down there. I really, I really want, you know, what's going on to continue. And oh, I think people are drinking, finally. drinking the Kool Aid all the way, and um, I just see it, see it getting bit up. If that's fine, you know, more competition. You know what that means? We'll just wipe them out. You know. You start, you start doing it for Detroit. Like this guy, he's going to make a good chunk of money, but he got broken into multiple times. Like I mean, you, just, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Through it, he unfortunately didn't take some of my advice about securing it correctly. And three days later, after I told him I hate being fucking right, I'm like, dude, you want to? I would address this. He's like, yeah, we'll get right on it. Three days oh, later, dude. I show up. Oh, yeah, it's all fucking gone. If I had shown up Jeez. three hours later. I swear every one of those water lines would have bust and froze. Like he just totally uh, got lucky. Totally got lucky. I answered. I literally answered a phone call to show the house. It was off a yard sign. Wow. I answered oh, no. it in the it's office like in the that. middle of the night. I was doing, I think it might even be on one of my RDI boiler calls where I just went and answered the phone. I do that. So if the phone rings, I just go answer it. Cause you may never know what business it is. You never know. And I just happened to go and show the house. And they had, a, by the way, they had like a $900,000 um, proof of funds. I'm like, why the fuck do you want to buy this house? As soon as they saw it, they didn't want to. But anyway, furnace gone, hot water tank gone, bat, you know. Yep. Then they broke into the front window. And then the alarm went off. This is then you had the place to front. Win- so 
Yeah, he's making a shit ton of money, but at the same time, man, he took some grief. So what is the best way to secure a property, in your opinion? <sighs> there's no perfect way. There's is, not. Is there one? Yeah. I mean, but there's, there, you've got a couple those, strategies. Those plates. <laughs> if you're just renting it out, I go with the $20 a day, make somebody sleep there. That, that works for a rental, right? That doesn't work for a flip because you start showing it really weirds agents out, you know, like, oh, just hanging, just hanging out and they got a mattress on the floor. It all looks fucking weird, right? Red bugs everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. That's not the direction you want to go. So when you're doing that, um, I recommend boarding up the back and the side door and or if there are those, secure it from the inside, put an alarm on and have a security door on the front that you can't break the glass and just reach in and undo the lock. So either you oh, want to yeah. get just a lock, full disclaimer, that's not legal, or you want to get the lock with the metal ring on the security door that goes mm-hmm. right to it. So then it still looks pretty. It's a compromise. Right. Where do you get that metal ring? I've, I've You have to buy the door with it, right? You do. Because yeah. I've looked for a metal ring or some sort of – got to buy it used. Thing. This is why most people cheat. They just put in the lock – you got to lock it no matter what. And then the day of closing, they'll go swap it out with I've a legal one. Yeah. I've done that. And for what we're talking about, people, is um, kind of like, you know, on the inside of the door of a deadlock where they have the little bolt. What they'll do is they'll just reach in the security door, break the glass, and turn that. And then it's easy to just yank the rest off and then kick in the door. You want to lock. You have to lock it with a key or you want the, the metal surround on it. So, well, plus an alarm. So, you take you take the easy doors and you need to put uh, motion sensor lights on the side and the back of the property. For sh- and I say if you're flipping, that's that's the direction you want to go. Leave some lights on if you can. And this is like a little side bonus: park a car in the yes. driveway. Yes. And switch it out every couple of days. I know it seems like a lot of work, but it's a lot cheaper than a furnace and hot water tank or whatever else they do with the window, yep. right? So where do you get that car though? I, that's what that's what I want to do. So almost good. Yeah. I want a car that I can park there. One, it blocks people from getting in and out if there if there's a driveway with a fence on each side of it. Absolutely. Oh yeah, it they, stops that a little bit. I've been putting the dumpster right there. That's a good one too. So you can do it, but I, I I agree with you. One alarm you have to have. You gotta like have a full it. on alarm. Not yep. you know, I'll buy those little cheap ones that you just you know it goes off when you open the door and it shuts. It turns off when you shut the door. I've used that on some stuff, but in Detroit. Like I had uh, in the in the the, the Chicago property I'm, I'm rehabbing now, they sawed through the security door. That's amazing. In back, they sawed through it, took it off, went around to the front, uh, cut off. It, there was a padlock there, so you know they just cut the padlock, went into the front, and they, they they broke in from the front, from the front, and it's then the corner. There's there's traffic there. So people saw what was going on there, and you know, they, I think it was an inside job because before I was supposed to close, a month before I actually closed, in between that time I went there and all the padlocks were broke, they were all cut off. So I was like, hey, you know, what's going on here? All the padlocks are here on the ground. You've got new padlocks on it. I think it was an inside job where the people who were like maintaining the property, you know, they case it, they see what's there, and I think that they thought we we're supposed to close and they were just going to go in and steal stuff. And somehow they checked first or something and realized that we hadn't closed it, so they didn't steal anything. They just put new padlocks on it. Days after we closed, gone. Yeah, the boiler. Boiler's gone. It's a big boiler, too. You can't, it? Man, you're going to have to switch that to forced air. How are you going to find a boiler, dude? 
I've got a couple couple lines on one. Fuck. But you're probably buying your boiler they're, back. They're, that's Maybe, well, yeah. I was going to say, I wouldn't buy one. Oh, that's right. I recognize fit. that boiler. It's going to fit perfectly. Now, I'm going to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, all, the, all the lines line up perfect. So, so alarm. I don't like to put... I don't like to like put... I've got boards on the doors of this house now because we're not really doing it. But once you have... Once you're listing it... You can't, can't do the windows. No. It, right? you do, well, I just... That's why I do the side or the back door. Okay. Board it up. Put the lights on. So if they're going to try and kick in a break in a window or a door, at least they're going to you're going to be seen. Right. Okay. Push them to make it do it from the front, uh, and then have the alarm, and that's like a compromise. If it's a rental, pay somebody to sleep there. I've got to find someone who can sleep there. Yeah, that's a way better way to go. It seems like the the person who gets to sleep there, I come back to the bed bugs every time. You know, they're not going to be the cleanest. Where I mean, where do you find someone who says, "Yeah, I'll sleep at your place"? I'll, I'll hook you guys up. Yeah, it's hooked me up. Yeah. You know what I bought, though? We could probably use them now. <laughs> what I bought, I, I think it works because I didn't have any problems. And when I was doing Boston Edison, I didn't really have to secure it at all. We had neighbors on both sides. They were always around, so they were watching the house, too. But I've got one of those alarms that has the, the dog starts barking, and I put it toward the back door. So if you walk up, this dog starts going crazy. <laughs> and when you walk up, and if you don't know it, it sounds like a real dog. I, you know, I think it works. I think it works. So I'm, I'm going to start. People breathing. in Detroit are scared of dogs. I'm how I secured more of those out there. How I secured my personal residence after I got broken into five, six right. times is I fenced the whole thing off and got dogs. And literally, I think I could put a suitcase of money in the front yard and nobody would fuck with it <laughs> at this point are, in time. Your dogs don't look like they're. They would leave you alone if you went in the yard. No, I got a few that uh, you're going to have last day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they look muscular. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to have a bad day. I don't know if you ever go on YouTube and watch some of those videos. I, I occasionally like to do it, especially I'm feeling a little <laughs> soft hearted. You know, I'm like, oh, the world, you know, a lot of people think this world is just, um, you know, everything works out, you know. Then you go watch things, eat things, and you're like, oh, that's how the world works, yes. right? What? what? I do that every now and then. Just and watch a pack of dogs. Oh yeah, you can definitely do it. I mean, they're used to like you know all the smoked meat you got. Yeah, you I throw them the scraps. They <laughs> have that. Of all my dogs, I only have two that are actually do it though. The rest, <laughs> but every, they're so scared they don't care. Wait, how you many know? do you have? I can't say. Okay, four. They'll, they'll, they'll pack four plus you know, five. Yeah. Two start the deal. But I got two. Right I got two stone cold killers. Yeah. Where that's you're just not gonna. You're not gonna make it. No so. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's how you have to do it in Detroit. So, in some places, maybe you get a dog and you a real dog, and you leave the dog in your in the house. Then they shit everywhere. That's a problem with that. I've been in those houses. Be yeah, <laughs> they shit everywhere. Jeremy, Jeremy's seen how that a very how that well works. trained. Dog. And they try and sell you the house. Like, yeah, no, it just cleans up. Like, yeah, no, that dog shit just doesn't clean up, dude. No, <laughs> the urine soaks everywhere. Yeah, the concrete is porous, man. You go in the basement, you're like, oh, just walk out. Like, oh yeah. I always like. I just did one three two two months ago. As soon as, I don't even know how I made through the inspection. As soon as she opened the door, I was like, holy shit. Three kids in that house. The, I, the basement was just covered in shit from one into the other. Uh, and one half of it, you can tell they just spent a week trying to clean it. Is this a wholesale deal? Yeah. This not go anywhere. Man. Do you remember when I posted the picture of the bullet hole through the glass? I think so. On Instagram, that was a house. I should have posted okay. from the garage or no, from the basement yeah, with the right. two dogs trying stuff. to maim me as I walk down <laughs> and the smell so bad. I'm like head yeah. turning the sideways. So it's still dangerous going down there and doing the wholesale thing. Yeah. You never know what you're walking into. Well, if you want to leave your house vacant and it's a rental uh, from the in, so if you got a side door and a back door, 
make first security doors and make sure you can't turn the locks. And then also put a two by four screw, screw it in the floor, screw it in the door. So yeah. you got like a 45 degree angle underneath the door handle, screwed in there, screwed in there, board up all the downstairs windows, but do it through the window. Um, and also use unique. I'm not going to give away what my particular strategy is, but use unique um, heads on the screws, all that, um, and board it up from the inside and then get the alarm. And then just leave the front door with the security door and then lights all around. So that works too. Yep. But that costs. You're going to do some damage to some window cells doing it that way. I'd rather. But it's worth it. It is. I mean, you got to do that or you got to you got to pay the guy 20 bucks a day to sleep in the house. One of the two. And I should say it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. Like in 2008, oh, 2009, sure. oh, yeah, yeah. oh, it was nuts. Like you did 70%, 80% of your house is just getting hit. You get stolen from right and left. Nothing you can do. I got some good stories to tell that someday I'll get to them where I just fucking lost my mind. I had so much shit <laughs> stolen from me. Do a podcast with all just stories. About oh, that. my God. Where you just literally lose your mind for like 30 minutes. You're like, why was I even saying that shit? Like, I wasn't even me. You just, you just get to a breaking point and it snaps. Like, that's it. You're not stealing anymore from me. You're like fucking throwing pencils and paper all around. I went and fired all three crews at the time. He's like, it's an inside job. You're all fucking fired. <laughs> just got rid of everybody. Just snapped. 30 minutes gone. did damage. Yeah. It was one furnace too many. I'm like, I recognize that furnace when I'm buying it back too. You know? It's a violation, man. I, I can't stand it. Yeah. Like, even uh, I had a couple of flips in Ferndale. They both got broken into. One during, during it was listed, and they did such a good job of stealing the copper that I went downstairs and I didn't even know it. Damn. Until That's a around. polite thief, though. Oh, very polite thief. They did. They they were meticulous, but uh, they made it easier to replace it. But yeah, and then another one in Ferndale. They stole the furnace. You know, the furnace. It was my. It, it was my fault. If you were to the side door, you could look downstairs and see it. Yeah, so you that, can't do that. Yeah, that was a problem. I, Even I, in Ferndale, that's probably not a way. good idea. Yeah. So I just. I now I cover windows where I can. You know, alarms. So, but in, in Boston Edison, if you can get, they've got a, a patrol in Boston Edison, TSS security. You can get an alarm through them, and then if, if it goes off, they're already there. So they'll run right over. So if you're doing something in the nice area, University District has the same thing. There you go. But, yeah, but there's no yeah, other way. Just flip there. <laughs> not, not all the time about the, the rest of it. Bolting, <laughs> bolting and people sleeping with bed bugs. <laughs> You got to do what you got to yeah, do. I know. It's not easy. All right, guys. Anything else? I think we covered it. I think we're going to wrap this up then. All right, everybody. Um, first of all, I really appreciate this, man. Definitely go check him out. I call him the Wilcox Bros. You got John and Scott. Go check him out. This will be in the show notes. DetroitPropertyBrothers.com or hit John up on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash John.Wilcox.54 or hit Scott up. Facebook.com forward slash scott.wilcox.142. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming Thanks out. Thanks for having us, Jeremy. It's fun. Folks, if you haven't already, it takes a lot of time out of these people's day to do this. So first of all, share it. Let's make it worth their while. Let's get their story out there. Let's get them some business, all that. Also, I know you don't just want to take without giving. You know a great way to give back without really taking anything? Rate and review on iTunes. Hook a brother up. It really does help the podcast unfortunately i don't get any information back from itunes besides downloads and rate and review and how you show up in the searches guess what rate and review 
So don't just rate it, also review it and share the podcast. And a ton of you are, so thank you. We're up to 1,500 weekly listeners. That's awesome. I appreciate all that. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you want to attend any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. And I'm on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess. And, of course, go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you. Take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know. I say it every week, and I fucking mean it. Pick a goal. Stick with it. Do something every day to get you closer, even if it's one step. I also want to thank you for listening. Uh, I know you could be doing everything else with your attention. I really appreciate it. And until the next podcast, crush it.